Welcome everybody back to the Plat Chat Valorant podcast, the video and audio experience. This is episode 420, and it actually, guys, it is. It's actually coming out on 420, so it's actually episode 420 or episode 86, but I prefer, or episode 87, <laughs> but I prefer episode 420. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a joke for uh, any weed smokers and any... <laughs> Any squish <laughs> inhalers that uh, happen to watch this podcast. Our uh, comedy bits are just going to get worse and worse as we trend further away from our target demographic. I mean, we are just going to get old and start mean? actually saying things like that. Shout out to all the weed smokers. <laughs> People still do that, right? The children still do that, do they? Uh, yep. I mean, it's not ironic. Any like, it's I mean, already serious, I think, at this point. <laughs> No, I mean what? I mean, what do we need? To, what do we change it to? Like the what? Audio visual experience. <laughs> I mean, that's that people people experience in an audio and visual. Manner. Yeah, <laughs> I like, I think if you want, Platchat is an experience. You don't just you don't just watch or listen to a show. It's an experience that you're having mm. when you engage with our content. At least that's what I like to think. That's what people tell me all the time. Wow, <laughs> watching the show is an experience. Plat Chat that's what they say. changed my life. Yeah, you're, you're at the Austin bar. They show up to you as like Plat Chat is such an experience, man. <laughs> Especially because I'm a cush inhaler, so I experience so yep. much. Any any fellow Delta Eight gummy eaters or just me? <laughs> uh, Josh doesn't even dude. Josh, you're not surviving the vibe shift. Though I did like your no, outfit. No, I liked your outfits this week. I liked yeah, your streetwear era a lot. Guess who picked them, Wyatt? Guess who picked them? Not oh. me. You? Not me. But they were good, though. I like it. Yeah. Well, is that why they were good? Me. Yeah. Because I have no input in the decision. You would get along with our stylists. I probably would. I mean, you in that... I love that jacket. I also love that jacket says regret nothing. And that you're <laughs> yeah. wearing it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that later. <laughs> true. Uh, true. Green Square. Actually, uh, regret green nothing, square. Green Square. Uh, I like more... the big S when they made you a superhero, by the way. I like where they that... just gave you S okay. for size. Yeah, S on my chest. So who was it? Someone what game looked, were you casting, um... by the way, with that regret nothing shirt? Oh, who knows? Probably probably some team winning them when I said they were going to get knocked out in 12th. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, that that sweater with the S on it was custom made. It actually yeah. was S for sideshow. That was yeah. I'm a superhero. I no, that's awesome. I I I like the uh, the styling of these events a lot. I just I really like that they've just created a new aesthetic era for your life, Josh. That I hope continues while you, when you come home when you're not even on the broadcast. Don't shake your head. <laughs> don't, don't shake your head. Okay. More importantly, though, I we we're, we're I'm saying it now. I, we're we're saying it now. It's set in stone that we're co-streaming the final three days of the event. Myself, well, my <laughs> vast wrong arm. <laughs> oh, it's backwards. Whoa. Uh, myself and Connor and Curtis, we're gonna co-stream. We got plans. We've been cooking things up. We're co-streaming the last three days of the event. And for people asking about what's happening with the co-streams and moving forward and that kind of thing, that will remain to be the plan. If we are available, myself, Connor, uh, Mimi, if she's got availability, uh, which unfortunately, just for this event, she does not. But if she did, we, we would have loved to have, uh, loved to have had her as well, but we'll try to have her in the future. So that's kind of the co-stream plan moving forward for the co-stream enthusiasts. Um, those who have been crying this past week 
with no co-stream to watch, those who have been lost, just directionless in life, we'll be back to co-stream so you'll have content for your brains to entertain you. So that'll be good. So yeah, you can watch us live on this channel on YouTube uh, this weekend for the last three days of the tournament. Okay, well this week, we're talking Masters. We're talking Masters, Masters, and more Masters. We're on the Masters wave, and we're, we're riding it till it hits shore. We're on the Masters wave, talking Masters. First up, Fnatic. Okay, rough showing for Fnatic out in last place. They lost, and then they also lost a second time, which is why they're not in the tournament anymore. They had two subs, of course, that being the main narrative of the team. Um, and uh, I suppose it's just a question of how much do we feel that that hurt them? Was that the primary reason they were out? I mean, I would say yes. And then also, is there much that we even really take from this? Like, what, what, are, what is your takeaway for Fnatic even after watching this event, Josh? Uh, my takeaway is that... Um... If Fnatic decide to make roster moves after a tournament where they play with two subs, that org, very dumb. Very dumb, big stupid. Because you should be taking nothing mm -hmm. away from this event, mm -hmm. in the slightest, because you're playing with two subs. Including your best player, that was getting like 45% of your first kills or something. And your team is a like super structured team that doesn't do well when you let them off the leash a little bit. And you're also missing one of your key pieces that was like one of your brand new big additions that gave you a ton of extra fragging and also helped set up your players. I mean, I, it boggled my mind, actually, when people were talking about Fnatic being fine with subs. I, I mean, I could get on board with Durka being back. And, you know, I thought maybe there was a chance to get out of groups and then Durka kind of hits a stride and they end up making a top six run or something. But, I mean, they were easily the worst team at the event, in my opinion. It, that that doesn't mean it's going to continue into the future. Yep. What was the rumor that they were potentially? Was it Mystic? Magnum. No, it's Magnum. Or Magnum. Oh, it was Magnum. Like, I mean, that's just that's legitimately madness. Like, I don't even understand how you can walk away from this event ever as an organization, being like, we need to make changes when you're down nearly, essentially, like like about you're down two out of five players, and both of them have been like insanely high impact players, and one of them is your star player. Like, I don't even understand how you can walk away from this thinking that's, like, the potential result. Like, it's just it's just flagged. You just got flagged. Your dick got flattened by COVID. Like, and, yeah. and other outside uh, circumstances. Like, it was just, like, there was no... Like, you didn't do anything wrong as a team, I feel. And I don't think you should ever walk away from this saying you need to make changes. Yeah, for yeah, me, it was just a write-off. I just... Yeah. Okay, they're out. They lost to two good teams. Both... Two teams with some crazy individual players, and you're playing an, in an unstructured environment against teams that relish in an individual game. That's where they can be at their best. And they got knocked out. And yeah, it's just, to me, it's just a write off. Just go play again with your actual roster and let's see what happens. Cause yeah, I mean, they clearly, they, of course, they, they didn't have their best player. And I feel like Brave Aff was probably their second best player in this last stage. I mean, you know, you could argue maybe Mystic or something, and that's fine. Um, but he, nonetheless, he was very good. And not having, I mean, it's just a write-off. I, I would yeah. be, I would be upset to see them make changes after after this result. Yeah, I would too. Um, well, 
I'm not necessarily sold that like one change wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, I think that the recent Bravaf edition was worked out great. Um, I think I'm more disappointed in the fact that they they had this entire situation with with Dur Durka, and then he tested negative and he got out here before the groups even started, and then they didn't work out something to not play with whoever either yeah. Firoth or Hyber, and they went along with playing with their plans because so stupid. it makes no sense given the fact that loud is doing the thing where they play from the hotel um makes zero sense to me but that to me signifies more than just a little bit of uh yeah they played they played with two subs and yeah we should write it off that to me it, it indicates that there's probably more going on and maybe but, the team is eventually not going to be like this anymore like imploding a, a little bit that's a good point i didn't really think about that i kind of just assumed that they were playing with them because they had to play with them so you're saying nope. they didn't have to they could have played with durko they were just like well what, i don't know the exact right? circumstances let's but just I'm, play on I'm stage pretty, pretty much thinking that they could have well it's not just that you're thinking it though but i mean riot released a statement talking about loud and said that with these kind of situations where there is a player that tested positive we are allowing teams the opportunity to choose to play from their hotel rooms as well. I mean, they they put that out in the communication that that was a pathway open. There's no reason to believe that that would have been any different for Fnatic. Right. Sure. I, my my reason to believe is because he just got to Iceland and he didn't do, do that like five day isolation thing already, which I, I that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's, that, it's that different. shouldn't change anything. Sure. Um, and even if it did, then he still should have been able to play the second game anyways. I believe. Um, but whatever. Yeah, I agree with you though. I think it it seems to imply that there's um, that the, there's something else going on in Some there. Deeper, yeah, yeah, reasoning. But like actually getting to it, I'm I, I guess I'm actually kind of happy that they are the first team that got upset by uh, Zeta because that starts this run from them. So that's nice in terms of their actual play. It felt like the two subs were kind of actually carrying them in a lot of the instances, keeping them in those games, uh, at least in the first one against NIP. And then the other guys, Magnum, Boaster, and Mystic, were definitely not playing up to snuff. But I, I guess that makes sense because you're trying to lead into an un unstructured environment where you were structured before, so the guys who don't have that uh, reliance on it end up playing worse, yeah. I guess. It's like, I mean, it's like what we watched with Asuna, like, feeding on 100 Thieves. Yes. Oh, he's not yeah. a bad player at all, but he's, like, trying to lean into structure that's non-existent. The Fnatic players are trying to play with their good fundamentals and some level of the team structure that they had in the past, and it's just evaporated. I mean, just, you have to have players that like to lean into the nonsense, and that's easier for the subs in some way, because they have no preconceived notions about what the team is supposed to be. I, I think it's Incredibly disappointed that we didn't see full strength Fnatic, but it did open the door for some mental stuff to happen in this tournament. It really did. Uh, the other team that went out early on were Crew. Um, I, I mean, it feels like years ago. I can't even. I barely remember what happened. They lost to Liquid, and then they. I, I genuinely. I. It's been there's been to like twenty they games this week. They lost to Liquid and Optic. Yeah. Right. So, oh, right. And then they Optic got upset by Zersia. Right. Optic kind of woke so up. So that was that really the, 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 the I think the thing that broke them. I think they could have potentially had maybe a run in their lower bracket after they lost to Liquid, but they ran into Optic. Who <laughs> lost? To yeah. Zersia. I mean that. Like they just got. I mean, it, Optic has been looking fucking crazy this event. So I don't think they had any chance to beat Optic, honestly, looking at the form that they had after their Zersa match. 
um, yeah. in my opinion. I, that group was pretty stacked, wasn't it? I mean, the... But at the same time, I mean, both those teams win zero maps, both Fnatic and, um, yeah. and Crew. And I think, you know, Crew's one of those teams. And yeah, of course, we were wrong about some of the others. But Crew is one of those teams where you could tell they were weak coming in and they didn't massively improve at the event. They, they pretty much played the same way that we'd seen them before, where Kesnit's in a position where he can't really do as much as before because the team's a, a, a fucking hot mess. They're playing weird stuff. Nags isn't popping off. Like th This team, I, I would want them to go towards changes, unlike Fnatic. Mm. So that's your takeaway, is crew needs to make some kind of change with the roster moving away from this event. You guys share yeah, in that? sentiment no 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 i don't i i don't maybe one player something like that even still i would i would argue no um because i don't think that there's much okay maybe maybe taking players from leviathan but i, I just think that this team is the, the team that you get right you know this is the this, this is a core group of people who have played together for over a year now i think disrupting that is a bad idea i think what they need is more something that we've been clamoring for like a team like sentinels is more structure more coaching more whatever add something to the game because right now they play really really loose it's not what we saw at champions um and what we saw at champions was still also very loose honestly uh whereas you see other teams trending in the opposite direction add some much more structure much more uh, coordination i think you actually do still have a recipe for a team that's good in that region yeah, good in that region, but I think their aspiration should be higher than that. I mean, what they were able to achieve making a top four run at Champions, I think speaks to the the peak, the ceiling of this team. Not what they're going to be able to achieve sure. in every event, but I think that there are players within their region that would be able to form a better roster. And this is assuming they're able to get, you know, that like coach buff that owner was giving them previously to add some element of that structure too. But when I look at the roles that they're playing and like how stretched thin Kesnit is on this team, he, he needs he needs that second player with him. And it was Mazino when they played online, but where's Nags? I just constantly feel like I'm saying this every fucking time. I still, he had I like, still don't he had like stand one for the Nags slander. Yeah, I, honestly, I feel like Nags... I mean, he had one Kesnet disappeared more than Nags at this tournament. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's also because everyone's trying to fill in the gap that Nags leaves. I mean, Kesnet's had to pick up Jet for this team. What's yeah. that? that? That's pretty unforgivable, I think, on those maps that he does. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's something I'm missing in that, but I, I just feel like these, these guys together should stick together. Maybe... I, I don't understand, you're right, about why they do the certain decisions that they do, especially as it regards to Nags and Kesnet um, and their roles. But beyond that, what I don't see inside of their region how they can get better just by a couple roster changes. I think that the core and the chemistry that they've built over time makes them what they are. And By the way, sorry, just by the way here, though, the, the, the rest of the people here at Masters Reykjavik are determined to kill this term minor region here's the reason here's the reason that i quite like the term minor region because when it applies to a region like latam it gives you an indication of the uphill battle that they're going through in order to put together a good roster because what bala is saying here is essentially they can't make any better moves really within their region because the player base is small and they don't have these like crazy people to pull from all over the place uh, th that's that's part of what we mean when we're talking about these kind of 
terms and how impressive it is that a team like this made like a top four run and how impressive it is that teams that have already made the top four run here at Masters Reykjavik. They're, they're fighting the small player base and the small salaries and uh, whatever else it is. It depends on what region you're actually looking at. But right. yeah, that's one of the things that differs massively when we're talking about like what Fnatic should do and what Crew should do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, that's also a wider entomology discussion of like, like semantics discussion of like, where does like, like, because I don't even know at this point, like historically in esports, we can definitely say like SEA and like Latin, et cetera, are like minor regions. I don't know exactly what the player base is like in, and like the interest in SEA at this point. It seems like they're interested. It seems like there's a lot of good players. I mean, the APAC player base is big. Exactly. Yeah, it seems right? huge. Looks exactly. like a major so, region. So I think at this so point, Japan. like, there's definitely maybe. Or Japan's play base is small. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's Japan's just the, is small. the viewership is they massive. They just have a good team. Yeah, they've got yeah. a crazy interest. They definitely don't have a huge amount of players, though. But like the, places the last, like APAC, there's a lot of people. The last playing. estimates on the numbers, APAC and Japan, if you put them together, are just bigger than North America. That was oh, the last okay. estimates just based on like leaderboard figures. I haven't heard. Right, right, right. More accurate. Data. But I'm sure a lot of that's still carried by APAC, honestly. Um, because like North America is like one of the primary, you know, big two regions essentially when we count like EU and NA in terms of like how they market and like things like that. So like I either way, like I do think that like the minor region term could probably be redefined potentially as we look forward to Devon after this event and like maybe it applies to some regions now and no longer others. But that's I'm, I'm, I'm this is not the point of this episode. It's not the point of this episode. No, it's like course. here to discuss have a lecture yeah. that'll about be the what point of region. next episode next episode we'll just we're gonna do a lecture series where <laughs> what does minor region mean <laughs> 49 minutes on semantics um yeah yeah i mean that about sums it up to to me with with crew though and i i i can see the value in in both your points i i do sort of feel like perhaps this was just one tournament where they had a, a bit of a um or it's with the lack of owner they just had a, a bit of a tactical misdirection the roles were not is ironed out and they have to to refigure well, it's out a weird point time. in the meta too where it's difficult to actually like get yeah. through the the weirdness of trying to get a chamber or trying to still right. have an op player put him on chamber when you have right no actual jet like and fuck it's it, play double duelist all the time huh? they... play double duelist all the time and run at people oh fuck that shit <laughs> yeah it's a good tactic <laughs> that's what you wouldn't have said that before the tournament started and now you watch favor x and you're like yeah fuck it do it my <laughs> eyes have been opened my <laughs> eyes have been opened to the truth dude we can't just embrace jail valorant okay jail valorant is already it's already lost jail valorant's already lost to detective valorant so we can't we can't just throw out jail valorant every situation speaking of nip they barely missed out on the top eight. They they had a they had a shot. They took the first match against Fnatic in pretty impressive fashion, uh, but they lost the next two games and fell short. As is the same for for Zersha. Both these teams barely missing out on the top eight. But I, I thought both were pretty impressive. And uh, on a personal level, I was just happy to finally see John play on uh, in an international tournament because he's been one of my favorite players since like 2020 summer. Um, so it was just cool seeing him playing on the international stage and just having some sick individual moments because he's just a cracked out player. Um, but yeah, a good effort from from both of those squads. I think they showcased a lot of individual talent, but just fell short by by a little bit. I was yeah, more impressed uh, with Zersha. I agree. Yeah. I agree, especially considering they had lost Patapan and everyone thought that was going to be a huge blow to them. And Surf came in and was really fucking good <laughs> like so and i also liked overall they seemed a lot more structured than nip 
in general. Like when I look at their team and how they're built and how they're executing like a lot of their hits and just like overall strats, they feel like I said, it doesn't feel like Jill Valorant. It feels like I'm watching like still like this is like something where you can scale. I don't know how you can scale NIP's playstyle to win on like more consistently unless they just like rely entirely on like we are just going to continue to frag every time we're going to walk in and hit every shot and we're that well that's our strat you know and i find that like harder to scale compared to like how Zersha is playing yeah i also think we kind of assumed the group would be a lot more difficult for nip because we assumed that fanatic would you know either be able to get durka back or maybe be able to figure something out and make it through their group but with the form of fanatic uh i think this is i mean genuinely if i think back this is where the Zeta run probably should have ended because they were... What, what even was the score? It was something like... 12-7, 12-8. Yeah, 12-8. They made a pretty sick comeback. They won the six NIP. rounds in a row. Six rounds in a row on Fracture to be able to get this back in. And that's, I mean, full credit to Zeta Division because they really have been performing when it matters in this tournament. But... They were on, you know, the verge of elimination and did look like the weaker team in this game, but NIP just couldn't close it out, and that's that's got to be gutting for them. Um, and it feel it kind of feels like that was the hurdle that Zeta needed to overcome. But it's it's cool because I think honestly, Zeta Division have become such a different team. I don't think that would have happened with NIP if we'd seen NIP get into the playoffs. I agree with Connor. I don't think there was that like next evolution of their game where they could learn from other people and build out their. Their, their 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 plays it felt uh, a bit a bit one dimensional a bit too much reliant on um i don't know honestly on on, on them being i feel like explosive like it just entry like it felt like they they were really good at being explosive and having that tempo but that's like oh you can only run into a site and have like and just hope that your trades work so many times you know like, you can only do that so often before someone is going to roll you with utility and, and, like, just have a better setup. And I feel like when I watched an IP play consistently, like, they had good ideas of executing, but it felt like if it did, if the execute didn't work out, where do they go from there? Like, what happened from that point? And that's, that's where I, that was my issue with an IP is, like, it's clearly they have the skill and they have the fragging power. It just didn't feel like their team systems were nearly as built out as Zersha, like, overall. Yeah, I... I was struggling for the words there, but I think what what struck me most is watching their icebox and seeing how good they'd been at it domestically. And then when that translated to other teams that were able to stop the duelists just being able to have the impact, it just there was no adaptation. There was no ability to be able to pivot and find anything else that was working for them. Whereas we've seen other teams have many different strengths to themselves, either by reinventing their playstyle, which I think is something that Zeta have done, by having the timings and crazy wild shit that Paper X have, but also the set plays and the way that like the other people really heavily support them. NIP just feel a little too one-dimensional right now. Still a decent team, though. Yeah, I think the perfect place to actually exemplify this was this series uh, on Split. It feels like they literally had four strats, and they went through that playbook, and they would, it would sometimes work, and it would sometimes not, but they just continuously just went for the same sort of stuff. Actually, even on Fracture, towards the end, they just like kept putting uh, Shand on a wall and hoped that he would find the opening kill. And uh, Zeta Division was like, eh, we're just going to start rotating away once we find out where you are. Like There was that element of it that they're very readable, and even down the line, down the wire, they're not, they don't have 
at least like an IGL who is making the calls to uh, adapt in a way that he really understands what's going on on the map. You know, that's the sort of thing I'm missing from them. And yeah, I agree. They wouldn't have gone far even if they made it past uh, Zeta. Yeah, I think they, in in that respect, they can uh, flesh that out more. It's just takes more time than just one tournament. It actually takes yeah. more more I, reps just practicing and uh, building out um, the the team play in in that I, way. I need to see Shand like be more not versatile. I, I don't know. He just like it seems like he wanted trying to get his team to do stuff on the other side of the map and he would just stick to doing what he does but he's such an important role and i don't think he recognized that fact on the team um at least in these games that came down to the wire uh so yeah but also bzn is nasty and i really like kalanzine but i yeah, don't like I, I feel like kalanzine had a pretty rough tournament actually i was i never got a chance to talk to them or anything wondering about like whether he'd been able to um you know, get get used to what was going on on the stage. I mean, he's mm -hmm. literally the youngest player of the event. Oh, really? And I felt like, yeah. I mean, he's sixteen. Oh, really? And and um, yeah. I I felt like I'd seen a lot more from him in their online games, and I felt like it was super impressive. And then I think there was like only really one map where I noticed him particularly doing much. I guess actually the fracture performance on the KO was pretty cool too. Like he had a bunch of preset stuff. Yeah, I do want to talk about Zersha though because they had a, a an impressive showing sick. despite going out in in just three games. Uh, the most impressive part, obviously, just beating Optic straight away in a two zero uh, was very impressive. Their their pad pan replacement Surf was going off, but honestly, it's just I, I think this roster across the board is just pretty stacked with with talent. I think all the players on this team. In their own respect, show a lot of individual ability when they're playing in the games. Like he, I feel like at any point you can trust any of those players to to really anchor sites effectively, be good for multi kills. Like they all have the ability to do so. I don't think there's like a weak link on that team in in any of the the chains. You know, it's it's all very solid in in that way. Um, and and perhaps to some extent they just um, need a bit more experience or you know get some more experience for. For surf, but I was very impressed by Zersha, um, and I, I I am excited to see more because I think that at this point, APAC is just nasty, <laughs> and I would like to see more gameplay because not only, I, I think both both teams have have represented that region very well in this tournament again as they did in Champions, um, and I'm just excited to see more because they also they also just both play a very entertaining game. Um, so, I uh, I am Benkai, satisfied with this Zersha performance, and I, I'm I'm excited to see more. Benkai said in an interview that um, APAC after Champions really woke up and started taking the game more seriously. Like practice regimes improved, and like I, I guess I don't know exactly the specifics, but the way that he was talking about it made it feel like they actually realized it was possible to do something in this game, and so started to really take it yeah. seriously. Like we can do some damage. Uh, I think. They looked actually better as a region at this event. I mean, of course, they have the mid top four as well. But I mean, I think but, Zersha looked better than X10 did, which is the same roster when they had Patapan, you know? I think they actually looked better at this event than they did in Champs. I'm not going to lie. I liked how they looked more. I think overall, their structure of this team 
looked way better than it did in champs champs it felt like they were still doing some like they had good plays still but when i would watch it a lot of times it was like the patapan like do something crazy show and this <laughs> felt like a lot more like they would just actually set up like really good ideas and like yeah it was aggressive but it was like really cool like plays they set up micro plays setting up like take portions of the map they would just like set up surf to where like yeah sure he'd be doing something crazy but it was like everyone's there supporting that style versus like I remember the fucking Icebox map that X10 lost at Champs where Patapan like was just going down ropes on A with no support, just like just taking it solo for a dry peak, you know? Like there's shit like that that was happening all the time with X10 that I feel like Xertia with Surf has rounded out a lot more as a team. Mm -hmm. I think Surf is just a completely different person. That also could be player. true. Yeah. Um, he's just like a raw opper um, that isn't going to take stuff that is not, you know, I was high ev like good good value yeah. sound like ddk like he, he's making the fucking uh plays where he has chances to escape always like he's never putting himself in one and done positions stuff like that which i think was wonderful and he was fighting against yay man in that first yeah. game i mean even the second series as well he was really going toe to toe with this guy which is unbelievable especially given the form that yay was in and he turned into as well because he had turned up a little bit even further down the tournament which is ridiculous for this guy who's also young um yeah 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 i think he's like 18 or something uh, his first event yeah i, I think he's going to be better in the future i think it's a talent that the apac scene should hold on to and develop i agree with you that he was taking pretty decent percentage plays most of the time and being heavily involved in their strategies and probably with a player that's this good if he's able to loosen up a little bit more in the next uh, you know, coming months as they head into another tournament, and he can figure out when he can, when he can go Take off a little bit. Yeah, when he can like limit test a little bit and push the, uh, push things a bit further. Maybe you'll get even more value out of him. I think, I think though, I, I kind of don't agree with the like totally solid roster comment that you made earlier, Wyatt, because no. I feel like this team is still lacking something from that flex position. Personally, I I think that. I think that if you were able to find somebody that had a lot of punch to go alongside Surf, somebody that would be playing in cruise position where they're playing a bunch of like bridge but could also play some of the more aggressive components, I mean, maybe they would end up taking over the sky for Fox sometimes and allow him to play the breach and IGL from that position. Um, I, I, think, I think you could potentially get a lot more from this roster as well. Um, it, 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 it seems like an area to me where there could be an improvement possibility. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I'm content with seeing this roster continue, though. I, I am content with that right now. Um, I, I, think the, my, I, I think I agree yeah. in terms of I think there's a hole, but one of the things I'd be concerned about, same thing with crew, um, is losing the person who you need that or who, who is giving you the ability to take the comps that they're running and put, push them to the limit. You know, do new creative stuff with them. Really have a lot of different ideas. Um, and I don't know where that's coming from on this team, so I can't really speak to it. But that's just my fear, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, I, I'm assuming that that's coming from Fox because he's the IGL. But, of course, if that's coming from someone else on the team, then, yeah, you've you got yeah. you to make those decisions. I feel like they just get such good frag output from their role players, though, that I I don't know. I, I just don't necessarily agree. But I, I just I feel like... Uh, 
Scary and Sushi Boys are just some of those, they're, they're those rare role players that can just really take over games individually. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Um, I definitely agree. They're just so good. But I do want to move on further into the bracket where we're now, we're out of the groups. We're into the top eight, uh, where we finally got to see the four main qualifying first place teams. Uh, one of which being the guard from NA. And they sadly go out in 0-2 fashion. Uh, they first go up against the regional rival in Optic. They lose a very close game 1-2. And then they go down into the lower bracket in what is just a classic matchup of nervousness versus joyous whimsy. And whimsy <laughs> always wins. <laughs> whimsy, that was, I've never seen a clearer example of joyous whimsy winning the day than in this game against the guard. I, 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 I can't think of a better example. There was so much whimsy from the paper wreck side. And you could just <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, maybe G2, yeah. Yeah, except for that one, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but you could just see, I, I felt like, I, I feel like in that game, even more so than against G2, I felt like the guard were, they just, they didn't want to lose. They didn't want to go home. And it made, and they were playing with some nerves in that game. And Paper Rex are just, they, they are playing like it's ranked on eco rounds and shit. They're just, it's mental. So the guard just couldn't on, on that day against that type of team. I feel like that's almost the worst matchup for a team that's trying to play their first LAN to play against just distilled, just 100% purity whimsy is just the worst possible matchup. Um, and they almost were able to take down Optic and they've traded blows before. Um, and seeing Optic win that 2-1 in close fashion, I mean, that's, that's not really a surprise. And I think that that was probably a good match for them, honestly, to play as their first LAN game to get a comfortable late they know optic they've played it's a it's an easy one to get into the swing of things perhaps um and i felt like from there the lower bracket would be a good spot for them to start making a run uh saya looked like he was in nasty good form he was going off against optic like okay i think that i i thought they were going to be able to do a really nice lower bracket run but god paper x i think we're just the worst <laughs> matchup they could have possibly had in that moment yeah they're still a decent team, and this is extremely good experience for them, but it's only two matches of good experience. Whereas yeah. if they've been in the groups, I mean, I talked about this last week, there are going to be teams where they look worse because they didn't get a chance to play in groups and they just go out 2-0. Yeah. And people are like, oh, this team's worse than, I don't know, throw, throw heavy, whoever you'd like in there that people maybe think are better than yeah. them. But this, this, team, this team still played fairly well i would say i would say but their opening map that they played on icebox they just couldn't get into it man it was only sire player that felt like he was able to do anything in that opener um and i really feel like they missed those crucial mid-round duel wins from trent where he puts himself in the position to take the duel and that is the impact kill that gives them the advantage or neutralizes the disadvantage and that's not to be, um, it's not unexpected. I mean, it's his first event and he's 17 years old. Um, hopefully he's able to grow into that and just find those same moments in the game because I definitely didn't see any of it from him at this event. Yeah, I feel like this series, I remember when I was watching the paper, because versus, like, I agree with White's point entirely, where Optic was their best first matchup, and if they lost to Optic, I don't think that was going to be an upset, especially with how, like, Optic, uh, after coming out of groups, is looking. 
And it was like a pretty decent match, you know? It was a pretty good match. Like, I don't think there's anything bad. But watching this, there was a point on Haven when they were playing double duelist with Jing on the Reina on Haven, which we... It's been a while since we... I don't think we've seen that too often, honestly, recently. No, uh, definitely not on Jing, Haven. Jing just, like... He gets, like, a four... I, it was a four, I can't remember which round he got the 4K, but he just, like... Just when he got breach-ulted? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, and then he got a 4K, and I was like, this is over. I was like, this is over because I can already feel this is an, this is like, it's, you know when they strike oil in those old 18th century movies and like the well is like, yeah, I was like, that's Daniel whimsy, bubbling up, <laughs> bubbling up from the ground. There will be, as I said, there will be blood, yeah. there will be whimsy. And I was like, this series is over. <laughs> this series is absolutely over because guard are going to fold and get the yep. land experience. And it happened and it did. Like they didn't even look like bad. It's just, you could tell that they were playing they weren't playing the tempo they normally play. They didn't have the same level of agency, like with map control that guard normally does take. And like, they, they just were, they felt afraid to play against like paper Rex. And they definitely, you definitely saw it in the match. It's not, it's so. not enough to be not bad at an event yeah, like this. Exactly. It's just yeah. not enough. It will get you wins. I, I think they, I think they choked the first game too, though, actually. I mean, like the game it against Optic, yeah. they it choked it. Like that. They choked it. I mean, they weren't able to get into the first map in anything like what they were able to do online. And then they were 10-4 up on Fracture, and they lost it. On their attacking uh, side, too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that, is, that is definitely rough. There were so many moments. There were so many moments that were different to how they played online, and they only needed a few of them to go more towards their direction, mm. and they would have ca carried on in the upper bracket and mm. maybe settled the nerves a little bit. But that's just what happens for some teams and some players yeah. at their first event. It doesn't happen with everyone, though. And I don't want the big takeaway for North American fans to be, if you are a rookie, you're always shit at your first event. Because that's just not true. I mean, you've just seen so many other players at this event turn yeah. up for the first time and go fucking dumb hard. It just, It's just like rolling the dice. You don't know how people are going to react to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just one of those things where oh. when it does happen, it's not that it's totally unexpected. And you just, yeah, okay. They Well, they played worse on LAN. It happens. And then when people well, some of the do, when people perform though, then you just, you know, you, you celebrate that accomplishment because being able to do it for the first time is pretty remarkable to, to play that well. But, but, uh, but also you prep for that type of moment and yeah, like, you prep for getting your players to that line experience. And I think that's something that MC talked about a lot was how mm -hmm. they kind of missed on that mark. Right. That was that was a big talking point for him, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's probably an element of truth to that, especially coming from him. The only player who really stepped up outside of the Optic series on against Paper Rex was Jonah Pete, and he's a little yeah. bit more. Uh, he was nasty on that one as well, but it's tough because I don't think that he's. Well, I don't know. I don't know how the internals are. And listening on the comms and stuff like that, and just interviews, it doesn't seem like he's the guy who would be able to keep a team involved and engaged um, to bring them back from from that situation at all yeah yeah for sure just, uh, just a question for for the overwatchers uh how many games did saya actually like play because he played a little bit right no, uh, in front of the lot. crowd he played saya are you talking about for for mayhem yeah he played a lot he yeah, played like he play all the Florida of mayhem he played like 14 seasons or something like that he was <laughs> no, a no 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 he played he played yep. one i believe it was like one full season with the mayhem yeah it's like okay. one and a quarter seasons but you got to remember the first season was 
40 matches. So he's yeah. got some serious I mean, experience. Like, he, he, he has, he has what we, he has yeah, experience he has, like, on trash teams though. That's the thing, right? Wasn't he yeah. just like in jail? <laughs> yes. He was by yes. far, he was by far the best career. player on that team when he was playing. But so. he also, he's spoken about this in interviews as well. And he said, yeah. I've been, I've played online. I know what it's like to play online and lose and have to reset your mental and get up there again and lose and mm. reset your mental and get up there again. And so he says, I mean, the way that he thinks about it is that he's managed to develop that ability to detach the mental side of his game a little bit from the performance side of the game, which I think is an important takeaway, right? Yeah. I, I am just so, moving forward with the guard, I am just blown away at how good Saya is on this team. I, it's such a yeah. peculiar, I don't know, it's just, sure. it, it feels, I don't know, it's like expected because of what you've seen from him in, you know, in Overwatch and I guess how renowned he is for his skill in regards to just mechanics. But just given his history and on T1 and what was going on there and then to become just a god duelist, even within the games that they lost, was still so incredible. It's just, it, it is one of the most fascinating moves, I think, in, in Valorant, in, in, at least in this year so far, that the guard gets Sia player. It's just, okay, that's cool. But then he just goes stupid for them. It's just, it's a, it's a wild nice storyline story. to me. It's, it's very I interesting. I, I actually, um, I redid my top 20. I'm not going to go through it, obviously, but I redid my top 20 last night. Yeah. Of like, one. you know, Saucy. this is the one, <laughs> this is the one from the tournament. Actually, I think Sassy was at the top in terms of that impact rating uh, stat that they've come up with. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I redid my top 20. I didn't look at any of that stuff. And I had Sire Player as the highest rated player that was eliminated from the tournament. Like yeah. he was still pretty high up my list in terms of the people that I thought played incredibly well. I mean, obviously it's only two matches, but I, I thought he was absolutely nuts. And I think that's going to get lost in the talk of, you know, the guard being onliners and chokers and whatever. Yeah, for sure. But at least for the guard moving forward, I don't want to stay on them forever, but I don't know. Just keep the same roster. I think keep it going. Come back they're, next they're time. Back get the experience. All good. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Team Liquid. Now, this is a, a weird one to talk about, and I'm, I don't even know really where my thoughts are with Liquid, to be honest, because the, the circumstance in which that they got into the tournament is that they did not qualify through the actual bracket. They made it into... What did they finish? They finished in fourth, right? Um, just uh, one uh, short. Yes. And in yes. EMEA, you mean. Right, and in the EMEA qualifying bracket, they finished one place short. Um, they looked pretty shaky throughout, certainly not as dominant as they were at the end of last year heading into Champions. Um, you know, it's, it's that, it felt like that period of time after the honeymoon where we have to, all right, we got to, now we got to do, you know, put in, put in the work and, and build up this foundation after this crazy run we went on adding Nevera. But FPX can't, go to the event, the winner of EMEA, and now they're able to go. Uh, they're, they're given this extra spot. And initially in the group, pretty solid. They beat Crew, and then they beat Zersha, who just were off the back of the, the win against Optic. So they make it out of their group in first place, which it was a tough group. And uh, I thought they played pretty well. And then they run into, was it Loud first? Loud and, was first. Yeah, then, then they run they into Loud in the playoff Zeta. bracket. And they still, they got, a, they, they destroyed Loud on the second map on Haven. They had a really convincing win. Um, 
but they end up losing that series to one and then they go out in the lower bracket they run into zeta who are just on this hot streak now um after getting uh, uh knocked into the lower bracket in the at the very beginning of the tournament now they're just beating everybody and liquid are just another another uh you know uh mantle on the on the wall i suppose for for uh for zeta just another free little win for them on on their path here that they're still on um i don't know what to make of liquid's run though i don't know if i'm impressed or disappointed or satisfied or i don't know <laughs> because I, it felt like watching them I, I felt like they were playing pretty well i thought that they were doing pretty well and at the end of the day they had two close losses to two of the teams that are still in the tournament that are in the top four playing very well so it's it's a it's a tough one to to really make uh i don't know like a hard claim on at least i feel but what what do you guys think well first of all i think they played way better than they did online i mean their online games were tragic and um i think that the overall philosophy seemed to be to take things back to basics a little bit um and i think that should be the goal with this team moving forwards whether or not they keep these five players you know maybe they think you know i, I i've been trying to think about this a little more from their point of view recently because obviously the, the 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 most obvious thing to say about liquid is they look better when they just play basic comps but yep. i think from their perspective it's possible that they think we can't be the best team in valorant playing basic comps we can be the best team in valorant mm. if we lean into us <clears throat> so we they they might think we can be top eight, top four, but we want to win. So we have to do things differently. Um, so uh, that that can be that's my only justification, I think, for what they were doing online. But I still don't like it. I, I think that this caliber of team, the quality of players that they have on their squad, should be enough that if they play more basic, fundamental stuff, they're able to find success. I think that that should be one of the biggest takeaways from this tournament run from Liquid is that they can fundamentally be a good team even despite having some wonky roles and not having a set IGL. They actually have a system here and you know maybe they could make one change and bring in a hardcore IGL and uh, and be better but until that person is available these five players are going to be able to do damage if they stick to more normal stuff, I think. Yeah, they need to decide what um, they want to do in terms of uh, like their philosophy on the roles. And I think I would add a qualifier to the statement that you said, Josh, which is this, they, they think they could go further and they could think they can go where they need if they played those wonky yeah. stuff. My qualifier would be that that's how they would do it with these players that they have and the skill sets that they have on the team. Um, I think that is part of why they're going to the places that they're going with these comps, at least from talking to people who are a little bit more familiar with the internal situations. Um, and I think before this, that was the idea. I mean, we've seen discussions we've seen so many different things so it's kind of it's, they got put in a weird spot but i also think that they put themselves because of the way that they played because i think they're just playing off of experience they're playing off of everything that they've learned on multiple land runs i mean they're a good team but at this point they're at a juncture where they need to figure out which direction they want to go and i personally think that they could just 
they could just st stick with the basics with the players that they have. I just think that for some reason they have a block um, about them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I feel like it's kind of strange though. Honestly, like the parrot, like we've we've been sitting for a long time talking about how liquid so how, how they're the 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 manic pixie dream girl of europe and you know we're we're oh we love we love how quirky they are and we love when they do this stuff like oh and it's weird to me that this is like the paradigm shift now after all this time for this team um i do it's not that i disagree necessarily with the principle of like okay you need to like choose your direction but it seemed like they had already chosen the direction and now it's now because now it seems like oh actually we're like swapping again which I don't think is there's anything wrong with but it's to me if you're having to be like okay we've had this whole style for a year where we've gotten like some success but also online we've like oh it hasn't been too good recently and now we're gonna go back to basics like realistically I I don't like yo-yoing though I'm fine with swapping I don't like yo-yoing so when they commit to this new style in the future because I don't think they should make changes currently um, yeah. for this team. But as they make, as they commit to this new style, and we watch them play in the coming weeks, uh, we really, I really want to see a transformation from the manic pixie dream girl into a soulless, lifeless meta drone. You know, not obviously not like that, but like <laughs> obviously not like that quite extreme. But I, I want to see a commitment to that to that sort of style. What we want, yeah. because otherwise, to me, it just feels like they're directionless and they don't know what to do with the, with the squad. Versus okay, we've hit a wall, we realize what our problems are, and we need to make these pivots. Because otherwise we're just drifting, and we're not really making like concise executive decisions, which I don't want to see. Uh, uh, yeah. For clarification, is, oh, sorry, no, just no, for clarification on. too, I, I still think that this team probably should be looking to make a roster move, but I don't think the player they're looking for is out there right now. So that's why I'm saying that I don't, I don't know how long it'll take, but this team is probably like I think it's better to try and stick with this team and make it the best it possibly can be yeah. by focusing on the fundamentals rather than searching for a player that might not actually exist to try and fit. Uh, for example, in this tournament, we talked to Sergi, we talked to Yampi. They they were indicating that Scream was doing a lot more of the calling. I don't know whether he was picking up like a full on you know big mastermind IGL role or whether he was just doing a lot of the you know, on the fly stuff for them. But he was much, he, it was indicated to us that he was much more responsible for those kind of decisions. So you've now got your best duelist player, presumably looking like your IGL as you head into the next chapter. And then you've got what, Soulcast playing like Perma Sky and yeah, is, you know, Yampi's swapping his roles around all over the place. <clears throat> it's what, what they really need is an IGL with a vision. But those are not available. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't exist. They don't grow on trees right now. All right, I'll fucking go play for Liquid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't say that I know enough about like the European tier 1.5 tier 2 scene for IGLs to, to know in that regard. But I, I think I, I want them to keep the same roster. I swear we've... I, I, this is the 900th time that I I feel like I'm just saying the same shit over and over with Liquid, but I'm like, hey guys, are they are we at the period of time in Liquid where they try some wacky shit, lose, and then go back to the regular stuff and qualify again? Because it always it was the same thing. 
like pre pre Berlin when KO first came out and they had Scream playing that ultra passive KO for a couple weeks and they were losing and then they went back to regular stuff and they almost they didn't qualify but they finished one off the spot barely lost to Gambit who then won Berlin and then after that they had brought in Nevera and I don't think they were doing anything particularly crazy then they were running that was the first the only time they've ever committed to something I think yeah they were just era. running good solid comps Yampy showed off a lot of agent diversity. And they just rolled teams for months. And even when they lost to champions, they lost to, like, Ascend, who... They were just playing some pretty regular shit, too. The meta was really defined at, uh, at champions at around that time. Um, I mean, I guess Ascend maybe were, Ascend were doing the craziest thing of all, playing Omen on one map during champions. <laughs> but aside from that, like... I felt like they were doing pretty regular stuff and they had a very real shot of winning champions. They finished top four and when they lost to Ascend, Ascend were in rare form in that game. I remember they were just hitting all their players, all five of them were just hitting every shot on everyone. But Liquid had a real chance of winning that tournament. I, I really think that they can... I think it's possible that they can win an international tournament with this roster playing regular stuff. It just feels like the direction... It, that's not the direction that they want to have. Yeah. And I think that but, is just the problem because they always stray away from it and try and do something new. And I do kind of wonder if that's not just sort of the general philosophy of the team that's existed from the beginning where they've wanted to be so diverse in all the agents that they're playing. But I don't know. No matter how diverse you are as a player and how many agents you play all players have the agents that they're best on. And when you just get your guys on their best roles, you're going to perform at your best. And I think that's just always been the case for them. And I, I, I could agree that if the right player comes along to make a change, I, I would maybe be for it. But I really don't want to see them make a change right now. Is, I like this roster, even, and I think they can do well with it still. I think that there's a point where it's a little too far gone with the philosophy that they've had since the beginning. I mean, even back there towards beta and whatever, beginning of the game, so he's always talked about agent diversity being a core thing with the team and how they want to push it. And now we're at a spot where you you can have so much flexibility and you could see on certain maps, yeah, he wants to play Jet. On certain maps, he wants to play Breach Hop, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's there's so many situations where you're just like, wait, what the hell is going on here? This isn't like, like, I think they are playing to what they think is their best roles, you know, in certain cases. But I, that's how far it is that there are certain cases. And that makes it difficult to bring even... You know, one player, there's no one player that would fix role issues. There's no one player that would fix role issues in IGL. There's no, I mean, there's so many different combinations, I think, at this point where it's tough to bring anybody in who would be able to live in that culture. I also, uh, I called it last week again. I'm going to bring it up. There's a Reddit com uh, Reddit thread right now with, you know, over 300 upvotes. That's hot take. Liquid were the best EMEA team at Masters, <laughs> which again is just, you know, like, you saw them play in the groups. You saw them beat some struggling teams like Crew and, you know, a, a team that's a little lower level like Zersha. And I think that people have got this idea in their head that they're like um, one of the big giants. I know that they did fairly well against Loud. Yeah. Their Haven performance. Um, their Haven looks good, in fact. I, I think you could absolutely give them full credit for that. But... It was overall, lost to Zersha, by the way. Like, <clears throat> when you yeah, exactly. Put that qualifier on Zersha. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I, I just don't think that the takeaways from that um, are accurate. Yeah. Like, well, I we can. I, I think that G two looked better. We can get into that a bit because uh, we have G two next up because they were the the next 
team that that got uh, eliminated after that point. G2 were the team that made it the made it the furthest uh, from Europe, but I, I suppose it is. I, I think it's a relevant discussion as to which European team actually performed the best, and I could see why you would put Liquid, given how they performed against Loud, and they did keep it close against uh, Zeta, but. Yeah, G2, on the other hand, they go one and two, they, they beat Zeta, and then they get pretty convincingly beaten by Loud. Uh, Loud just looked in full control the entire time. Uh, and then they go down to the lower bracket and they just get whimsied by <laughs> Paper X. Yeah. Um, they just get ran over by the joyous whimsy train, much in the same way that uh, Guard did. Uh, it's unbelievable how you just, I don't know, you just watch these teams just try and try and play a default and catch the aggression in a net, but it just doesn't work. You just yeah. still get, you just still get ran over. Paper Rex are so funny. I, 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 I mean, average They're Paper Rex team. enjoyer, just chiseled jawline, six pack. Just, dude, <laughs> if you, Paper Rex are so fun to watch, but we'll talk about them later, but yeah, uh, G2, are we satisfied with this performance? Is that even a real question? It doesn't feel very satisfactory, does it? I was expecting more. I think individually I was hoping for some stronger showings from some of their players. Though I was impressed with Mixwell, um, surprisingly yeah. more than perhaps anyone else on the team. Well, him and Hoodie, I think were... Hoodie, the, yeah. Hoodie as well was great. They, yeah, I mean, there was underperformances from from Nookie. I mean, that's the only guy you'd look for for like a big performance, and it was it just wasn't there. Um, but yeah, I, I I actually go back to the question about whether they were the best NBA team, and I, I we didn't see much of them, unfortunately. Uh, we saw less of them than we did of Liquid, and we saw. I think the reason why I'm okay with saying yeah they probably were was they went up against a, a loud that was definitely better than in the game against Liquid. So I shoot them some bail for that because uh, loud was miles better in this game than they were in the game of liquid i think but still when they go up against paper rex and you see the types of decisions they're making you have to continuously question um where their leadership is going to continue to come from i mean i was really hype about nookie because he made really good decisions but once he got tested on land against land igls and whatever land igls what the fuck is that that doesn't even <laughs> uh on land against other really really good igls i don't know it was just it was it was lackluster there was moments i could see the call was tilted like he he's running up mid on anti or on an eco round and just to like get it over with or to try to catch him by surprise it's like those are not the types of decisions you really should be making because you know there's a there's a slow that's about to come and then you see him continue to run while his teammates all slowed and his teammates are like oh we're slowed and nookie's up in the front like i got this guys don't worry like those types of things constantly we were seeing them in those paper x games so i i wasn't happy and i don't see why anybody should be happy with the way g2 played guys i hear the yeah, ice cream I truck outside anybody want what? anything Anybody? I actually do. If you, they have this. If they have the SpongeBob ice cream pops. Oh, those uh, pop off. It was fucking. Own. I fucking love those things. Off. So Sorry, that was a. Good. I just blew up Josh's eardrums with a supersonic audio missile right there because this, <laughs> that's this, the audio experience. This, yeah, this is my you and delegate microphone. 
so it's not good. it doesn't have good audio gates sadly it doesn't have good any of those this is more for what i'm talking about various problems about the food crisis and such around the world but i i think that g2 to me was extremely un i think they were pretty underwhelming honestly especially from like i think ball you kind of hit the nuki point pretty heavily there and i think that was like and when even when you compare it to their performance heading in coming into the playoffs it felt they felt extremely disjointed. I also felt like they had like ridiculously aggressive buys during a lot of their playoff run. Like they were willing to put out like absolutely wonky buys and like forcing up repeatedly, I noticed, and it destroyed their eco multiple times. And I mean, that's just like a confidence thing, right? Like they're like, oh, we can win this. Like we feel like we can win this with a wonky buy. But it felt like they they look a little bit like the Greek, the Greek financial minister out there with the economy at times like it was it was in that, that one's that, i don't know that's that's for you finance fans out there uh that's for you you econ heads uh i don't know i just i felt like g2 looked dis- extremely disjointed and i do think i do think hoodie and and mixwell looked okay they looked pretty decent out of everyone else on the roster but well, we're did hitting all the, the demographics by the way the fucking weed smokers the greek financial <laughs> yeah enthusiasts <laughs> well, personally, i felt like it was more of a paper x difference a lot of, like when a paper x and loud difference when i watched these matches they, they were just driving the matches more so than g2 was repeatedly like they were just in yeah. the driver's seat which is like yeah. You know, that's really definitely agree with that. Yeah, I I really want to touch on that actually because one of the big takeaways from that, you know, the like fan comment about liquid being better is that the the final point was that EMEA has the worst read on the new meta of all the regions. The new meta is about confidence, fundamentals, aggression, and aim. The slow tactical utility extraction days are over for now. So, the, the idea being that. The community sentiment seems to signal some kind of like meta shift. And I, I can see why that might be the takeaway from the Paper X game for sure, because Paper X came in and just kind of bodied G2 by playing this like hyper confident aggro style. But I don't think that that's the case if you look at the whole tournament overall. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed that applies to all of the tournament is that if you're the team that's setting the tempo, you're the one that ends up coming out on top a lot of the time. But that doesn't mean you always have to be fast. I think what Zeta Division have done that's so good is that they've slowed down the tempo massively. And no one's found a way of actually bringing it to them and and speeding the game up, partly because Sugar Zero is playing Astra and partly because they hold for the first fucking 40 seconds of the round on their attack side uh, and are going to punish you because they're all yeah. popping the fuck off for making those like aggressive peaks. So I think what G2 really struggled with in my head in that Paper X and Loud game is against Loud, Loud had so many different plays to be able to set up Aspas and like he was just wild all across the map, but in a very structured way. Like they always had a little play and then he'd rotate over here and have a play over here and G2 just couldn't get a read on it at all. And then against Paper X, Paper X are just forcing them to react at all times. And G2 is not a cohesive enough team to be able to deal with that. And they didn't have the same level of like hyper patience to their gameplay. And, and um, like, uh, I guess like a, a, a read on what Paper X were going to do. I think it'd be very difficult to get a read on what Forsaken and Jing are going to do. But I feel like that was the real big takeaway for me in these games is that the EMEA teams are lacking the ability to actually set the tempo in any of their games. And it's something that Optic are actually doing fairly well because they play that Neon comp where they can really ramp up the pace. But th- there's just nothing in these EMEA teams that does that. I mean, there would have been. 
uh, what you mean with like Fnatic with and oh yeah, yeah. FPX, yeah. Listen, yeah. we'll yeah. we'll have yeah. the copiates yeah. later. We'll uh-huh. we'll get sure. high off that copium later. Moment in just one second. I didn't I didn't realize Josh was the type to find some Reddit random Reddit thread and just argue with it on Flat Chat without <laughs> not even arguing with us. He's just fucking arguing with a random guy on the end. The, the reason oh, being, right? So nasty, by the way. Yeah, it was. I mean, TP. it's just wild. No, the reason being is just that I, I, um, I can sense the community narratives developing. Mm-hmm. And I see. Even you want to we're having this emergency he keeps his episode. Pulse. He keeps his finger to the pulse. Unlike you, Bala, he's watching what the people want. No. Yeah. Okay. Josh just Jesus. has to control every narrative. Every narrative <laughs> must pass through him. <laughs> he, he is the one who holds all the storylines. Don't you dare make a fucking story in Valorant when this guy's on the desk. <laughs> you know he's going to give you the truth. Um, what is the takeaway for G2? I, I just... As far as the future, I mean. Like, what do we think about the future? What do we want them to do? Because it feels almost... I thought it's. I, I think it's... I don't want to say it's miraculous in and give the sense in saying that that it was like lucky that they qualified because that's not true. But it does feel um, like Christ intervened given how their roster was shaping out. And then they actually qualify for Iceland after the whole Mixwell, Kellogg swapping around fiasco. They seemed very lost in regard to the leadership and, and a wider vision there. And then they somehow still qualify is just, seems pretty, well, pretty wild. I think a major thing was that they never went to Icebox on, on, in this entire tournament when it was veto in every game. What's that? They trolled the map veto. Yeah, they did. Game. Like Haven started getting bans um, in the last two series, which made a little bit of sense, but also they're just going away from their regular thing. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part is the map picks. It's just like they're not getting the strength that got them here. You know, it's mm-hmm. similar to, well, not similar. I guess it's the opposite thing that I really criticized Optic for at Champions, which was not prepping uh, the new map. I, uh, I think it was arrogance. I think they came into this event dude. thinking that they were the best team and not willing to showcase their strengths. Uh, because they were worried that other teams would have like hard sure. counter-strated them, and they were like, "We're yeah. good enough to just be able to pull it out on the fly." And I Maybe think that, that would have worked just, in groups. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, I think they just had completely the wrong attitude heading in. That, that was the same thing I saw in the loud game. For me, it was like they, they, dude, they were just like trying to ego peak in certain cases. They were just walking up in places. They saw like a player would get into a spot and they'd be like, oh, we can just walk up and kill him. Or if I hide here because we got this advanced map control, then everything is going to be fine. But Loud is just fundamentally much better than I think they thought. Um, and then also on top of that, they're having to deal with the adjustments to counter the, the, the stress that they're sending at them. And I don't think they figured that out until Breeze, that this team was much, much, much better than they expected. Like that to me was apparent in the, not only the map vetoes, but also the gameplay itself. Arrogance was a huge theme for me watching this team. In terms of the roster and like what they need to do with this team, I think there's pieces that look really good, but I think they're kind of fortunate to have been in such a good position for this tournament. They don't strike me as a team that's going to be able to replicate top results frequently against the caliber of competition that they're going to go up against in the EMEA. Um, I think... Pipson seems like he's done a really good job with this team. I think Nookie's obviously a good player. 
probably you want somebody to come in and IGL though. I don't know whether you permanently want to keep it on Nucky's shoulders, <laughs> although he's done a pretty decent job. Meadow looked a lot better in terms of like his online play and how he adjusted his role compared to what he brought at this tournament, in my opinion. I don't know. I like I like Hoodie, but I think Maxwell's super passive in terms of getting value out of his jet or chamber. I just don't like that play style. I don't think it translates to uh, to to land games. I think he's one of the big issues with them setting tempo. He's just such a mm -hmm. passive, reactive player. But was he? I feel like when they made this swap and they committed hard to Kellogg's at the or to Mixwell uh, towards the end of their qualification run, like to get to here to Iceland. I don't remember Mixel being as passive as he was here at LAN. I felt like they were much more proactive with him online on, on when they jet first made the or swap. On chamber. Uh, I guess that's true. He was mostly playing chamber, wasn't he? He wasn't playing jet, and I guess that's the real difference there. Is that he's well, he I was guess, playing chamber in the online qualifier as well. He, he was playing, yeah. yeah he, so he was playing a lot more cha chamber, and here he played a lot more jet. So maybe it is just an issue with him being so passive on jet in that case. I mean, so. he, what did he play? Like one map of jet or something? I mean, I, he played he jet against a sound. Uh, I, like I thought his side. chamber was solid though. But I but I think chamber. his I I think his chamber is good, but it always gives a lot of space to his opponents. He's not got like, um, so what I see Mixwell doing a lot is he either sets up TPs to rotate, so they're really passive, they're not like him setting up on a forward angle. Or if he does have something set up on a forward angle, he, he will drop back to a more passive angle. And it, at times he will literally wait for that cooldown to come back up so that he can just walk back up to it instead of having some kind of set team play for him to get aggressive there or get aggressive somewhere else. And him getting pushed away from the angle doesn't seem to trigger anything else from the rest of their team, either to get him posted back up or to like run a trap play or to push a different side of the map. Like I just don't see them doing anything off his aggression. Like for example, when he would push out B main on split as well, there was times where he was just getting pushed back by a solo dog and he's getting pushed back from like pushed up in B main all the way to default by one dog. And I'm like, dude, there's no way that you can give up that space in a top level mm -hmm. event. As the opera, you need to be falling back to the next angle, not three angles back. Sure. I, I think there's just little things about his game that make him much less effective than somebody like Yay, for example. Right. Or, I mean, who the fuck else has been playing a ton of chamber at this event? Uh, Lass, 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 he's played playing, a lot, yeah. Buzz, Sad. Yeah. Buzz, obviously. Matter of yeah. fact, mm -hmm. I mean, okay. Now I said last week when Ball and I were talking about DRX last week. We invoked the, the, the Wyatt FPX clause. And we said if they don't beat any of the teams above them on the power ranking, we won't talk about them. And they didn't. So let's move on. So let's move on. Did <laughs> <laughs> you beat anyone above them? No. No, no they, they didn't. Definitely not. Nope. They actually did not. Nope. This is so sad. Because our power ranking I, is a, double checked. I no, genuinely. But that's I, more to do with our power ranking being. No, 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 no. Our power no. ranking is a vert is a pyramid of virtue Truth. in terms of correctness yes. and accuracy. And the power ranking accuracy. shall not be touched. It is like a stone tablet. Okay, <laughs> it's like the stone tablet of Hammurabi. It shall remain. That's un, the name, Josh. That's what it was. Never mind. That's a completely irrelevant topic. <laughs> Anyhow, most Im most importantly. I actually, I started to believe for a second there. I started to go back to 2021, uh, you know, Korea Wyatt for, for a minute there. But no, sadly. This was their best run. Yeah, it, it oh, was. And yet it still just feels underwhelming. It's, again, 
against Optic. Was so close. Saw. They don't do it. Zeta Division so close. Well, I mean, so close until map three. And then they're just out in the lower round two. It felt like they were playing better than a team that finishes fifth, sixth, but they finish fifth, sixth. So doesn't really matter, does it, when they just finish no. fifth, sixth? Which is, is it a good showing for, their, for, for the players and for the region? And yeah, it is. But it's, again, it's just like, I don't know. It, 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 it feels like there should be more. I, I, I want more. Well, they, they I feel like they been. should be capable of more than what they, they've given. And it's, to, it's a testament to the skill that they do show at times. I just... Someone, I mean, the, someone yeah. else take it away. <laughs> this is so sad. Josh, it looks like you want to have a point, and then I'll go well, after you. I, I think that they... The, the, when I watch DRX, I feel like there is like a base level that they play at that's super good. And then sometimes they just, they're either exploited by their opponents or individually drop off from that normal level. And they're not able to close out games where you feel like they actually played better than their opponents for the majority of it. But then they let it slip through their fingers in some crucial rounds. I felt like that with Optic and I felt like that with Zeta Division as well. Where they these both, I think, should have been wins if DRX played up to their um, their averages of what they performed like at this tournament. But they couldn't do it in the matches that actually mattered, so they don't deserve to win. Right. Uh, I, I think right. they also just lent too hard into the structure element of it. Um, so they weren't being um, opportunistic. I think when there were timings that DRX could have gone for, where they could really apply pressure to their opponents, they still th ran through every checklist of everything that they want to do in every round. When there's a clear opening, and they've created the opening, they still go, nope, we must clear this corner. Nope, we must hit this flash. No, we must hit this dog. And it, they waste so much time, and it let, I mean, specifically, I'm thinking here of Zeta Division, but it just let them back in, let them, not back into the game, but let them into a position where they could just crush their attack side, I think. This this team is good, but there's something going on internally, I guess, with their ability to win the big matches, I suppose. And I don't think it's as simple as just saying that the individual players choke, because I think you could look at like RB's performance and say, yeah, he performed way worse than he did online. And that seems like a bit of a pattern at this point, considering what he did when he was playing like the initiators for them before. But I think it's so much more than that. I think the team themselves are missing these like moments where they could really put their foot on the throat. And they seem to do that in the group stage, but they just miss it in the playoffs. Yes, that was, uh, you've, you've, you've surmised it, I think a bit. And that's how I feel about DRX is that DRX to me, DRX and Korean Valorant enjoyers to me are the gifted and talented kids in high school and they don't get pushed enough and you've fallen behind now. You simply, you've fallen behind. You're not, you're not interesting. You're not cool because you don't care. You're not, you're not cool because you used to be really good and like, oh, I could read so many books back when I was in fifth grade. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Like, bro, like it, you're good. Like you're smart for sure, but you're going to have to do something, man. And that's how I feel when I watch DRX is like, it's clear that there is a baseline level of, of like good with the team like when you watch them play there's a baseline level of like polish and skill with them but they can't ever get the oomph they can't it's it's fucking failure to launch every time i watch this team like get to yeah. a big stage erectile and, dysfunction and that's, 
That's what I'm watching. Well, it's not so much erectile dysfunction. It's more like like pushing out like it's literally the movie Failure to Launch. It's like pushing out that kid that's like like he's stuck in at home and he can clearly he has skills, but he's just fucking he just yeah. can't get it together, man. And that's DRX. Like I mean, it, I, the, if we're gonna I make the talk- team. If we're going to make the cock and ball analogies, I think this was premature ejaculation more than anything at this tournament. Like, they fucking, watching, they went know. dumb hard in the group stage, Ugh. and then they fucking come out and they, they, they have a great game against Paper X as well, where it kind yeah. of felt like Paper no, X were lucky way. to be able to get that win over, over them on Haven. And then they go back into a game against... I mean, they played amazingly against Optic too, and I think they pushed Optic to the very limit of what they were able to do with the adapting and being able to get back into that game and, uh, and, and win it eventually. Then they go down and they play against Seda, who they've already beaten before. Not just beaten. They, they, it they is shocking them. that in the first game of the tournament, I mean, it's also amazing on, on the half of Zeta, but it's just so bananas that they get, was it four or five rounds in this series? Five. five. They got five yeah. rounds against DRX. And then later in the tournament, they beat them. And on the last map, convincingly, yeah. In this lower but, but, bracket run. That is I, a crazy But the, the crucial difference is turnaround. Zeta Division are not the same team as groups. Yeah. DRX are the same team as groups. Yeah. Like it's the same. Sure. So frustrating too, because like the best example too is like on Icebox in the Zeta match. They kept on going for these same plants on their offense on A site, and Zeta constantly we have clips for it, Kurt. If you want to put it up, there's technically something for the Zeta thing, but I'm just gonna throw it on this. They kept on going like rounds four, rounds five. Back to back, they went for these plants, and Zeta just fucking rolled them yeah. every time with a snake bite shock. They yeah. did it twice. Back, this is and they incredible did the same prep. shit. And like, yeah, the prep was out of this world. And DRX was like, guys, let's just get in there. Let's get in the server. Like, we have the time. Like, don't even worry about it. I don't have to study for the test. We're gifted and talented, man. <laughs> for the test. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, I mean, we're in the GT program. And that's what it felt like when I was watching this. It's like, they can't advance they can't like something about this there's a block happening i feel like i i feel like there's some kind of individual failure that occurs in a lot of these games though too like even in that in that clip that you see that you just show connor i think that's a perfect example of it like at times when i feel like in a in a in the games where they're already winning by a lot and you know they're just destined to win You'll have the moments where players on their team get the the frag movie highlight reel going. Specifically non-buzz players, because he does it in any game, but some of the other players. But in, in games like this, like in that clip you showed, Connor, when when Crow swings on Rafter, the player holding Rafter just needs to get that kill, or the round is over. But it's in those situations where they they fail to get crucial kills and individually come up short on duels that need to be won in the very in the very base level of the game i feel like they just start to individually lose more duels than they do uh in in some of the games usually earlier in the tournament or the games where they're more dominant i feel like there's just not a lot of individual or rather the individual play just starts to to lack just a little bit but it's that like few percentiles of of decrease that can make all the difference in close games because it can just be that one impact kill that one loss in that round that you show that one dual loss resulted in him in crow getting two kills like that's just immense it's just a kill that they must get right if you um, if you want to feel like talk it's a about common like, theme 
If you want to talk about individual players, though, I really do think like RB had a pretty shocking tournament. And I was willing to shoot him bail at the beginning when he didn't really go crazy in the like game where they dunked on Zeta. Because, because, yeah, I mean, you're dunking on Zeta Division. Who cares who gets the kills at the end of the day? But in those in the games in which they lost at this tournament, he went negative 39 with minus 14 first kills to first deaths. I mean, that is like shocking individual performance from somebody who online was, I think, their biggest fragger. Uh, let me just double check that, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. I, he was, um, yeah. So if you look at what DRX were able to do when they were playing online within Korea, uh, RB was getting the most kills as the percentage of his team's kills, and he was getting 40% of their opening kills. Yeah. For a team that has, you know, Mac or Buzz on it, that kind of thing, this guy farms when he plays online in Korea. And then when he's turned up to the big events, the international events, he has not, he has looked a mere shadow of himself. And especially at this event where he's actually playing the primary duelist player, I mean, you're going to have to scroll for a while, Kurt, to find him. You're going to have to scroll. Oh, he's right there because he's first kills. Oh, because you're looking at the first kills, right? Right. Oh, no, you've ordered it by first death per round. Yeah. But. Yeah, he just, he, they lost a lot of RB's impact, yeah. and they still looked like a, a decent team. Yeah. And he started shying away from them as well. Um, to be honest, there was moments in that Optic game where I was completely blaming uh, a couple of his missed shots on the fact that they couldn't close that out on split. Um, he was really struggling against EA, and also just like the verticality in moments where he has to hit the certain shots on that map. And they relied on him to play Jet on that map too, which is a little was a little wonky. But yeah, um, not a fan of the Jet on that map. But yeah, I have a, I have a pet theory mm. for teams like Guard and whatever. I think they got hurt a little bit by getting straight to the playoffs. I think for DRX, it would have actually helped them <laughs> to go straight through the playoffs because I think that what they what they pulled out, like when you look at their game against Zeta Division. Because they play such a structured style of Valorant, I'm talking about DRX now, mm. it's easier for your opponents to get a read on you than it is for you to get a read on them. And it feels like DRX don't have enough in the playbook, even though it's super deep, to actually rely on that style to get them through a full tournament. Because once they play a few times and have a few of those like, matches out there, they, they feel like they've exhausted a lot of what they bring to a tournament. And that maybe is, and that's so weird actually to say because Korea is the region across all of esports that's known the most for saving shit and not actually turning up to the group stages. And it feels like DRX go, we're here, baby. And then they just bomb out as soon as they make it to playoffs. But that's yeah. still just well, the whole gifted I, and talented narrative again where they're just not like, they just can't go the distance because it feels like they're just showing up and like, we, we're. We're good. Like we don't need to do more. Like we got our stuff, you know. Like remember in English when we got a ninety-five on that test I was studying. Yeah. Remember that one? That's like it's literally <laughs> just what I feel like when you say like they need yep. to show up earlier. And if you're saying they need to show up later and not have any tape and not play more, that to me is like just pointing towards a, a problem of like of they course. just can't adapt. Of course, yeah. I mean, I'm not. On, I'm know? not saying that they should petition for a direct playoff spot in the future from Riot. Yeah, maybe that's the one message Berlin. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Connor. They just, they just, 
They read Aragon so quickly when they were a child. And, <laughs> no. And, and now uh, they just can't make it in the bracket. I honestly I love Christopher Pellini. I, I, I see where you're coming from, Connor. I, I really do. I, and yeah, it pains me to say it, and I feel, I feel bad because I feel like I've seen magic from RB, but this is a trend now. You know, I, I think at, at Champions and, and Berlin... I was feeling like hey, he's kind of shaky at LAN, and this is, I feel like, genuinely the third time that that's, that's kind of happened. So I, I would like to see him turn it around and show up at the next LAN and go crazy. So, but I think at some point that has to be a, a, a red flag of concern for DRX, right? Yeah, I think they need to move away from like the educational books that the teachers give them like Great Gatsby and start reading like Lord of the Rings or something where they adapt after the environment changes around them, you know? They mm. go off in another direction. That's the, that's the way they need to go. Mm. Because they didn't make a single adjustment this mm. entire tournament. A single adjustment in their entire, like in each individual map. And Optic worked them on that shit. They worked them. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like they just were like, okay, here we go. We're going to go for this game plan. And then there was not, there was, I mean, I could feel that Zest kind of was trying to make those types of plays because of the way that he was playing individually, you could see, I think was he was nice. making those calls, but I, what happened? What? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, I thought I froze or something. No. <laughs> no. You're good. I mean, You're that looks, ready? that was so funny from our, that, well, all right, we're just keep going. <laughs> that was, um, just... but, but. When he's trying to make those, I think they lose the sense of uh, cohesiveness that, that they're good at when they have that structure, you know? So, like, you could see on, on Split, again, many times you're like, oh, we want a fast retake. But then one guy just runs out fat first. Like, he doesn't actually like, go with the plan or go with the idea in a good way. He just goes for whatever the call might have been. So I think there was, like, attempts at it, but never actually executing it well at all. Yeah. I was impressed by Zest. He was, uh, he was, he was, he was good. Pretty he was damn really solid, good. wasn't he? Um, would you guys mind taking a quick break? Of course. Let's. Okay, we we were back from a quick break that you don't even know happened because it's a YouTube video. Um, well, it's time we it's time we talk about it. The Zeta Division incident, Green Square. They didn't know, except for me. <laughs> except for me, they didn't know. Oh, except for me. <laughs> and there's evidence. There's photo evidence. Because I predicted they'd beat DRX in the lower bracket round three. <laughs> As you can see, ignore that that says, ah, see, it's Masters 1 match prediction, but that was for the lower bracket round three. Um, I told you. I knew Laz would go crazy. <laughs> Josh's face. I told face. you Laz would go crazy. If only Connor How many rounds here. did they win? How many rounds did they win in this game? Uh, what, uh, 39? 39 <laughs> no. rounds in that game? <laughs> or no, it was like or 30 nice. something. I can't remember how many they mm. won on map two. Uh, regardless, uh, you know, Connor, you weren't here, but if, if you were on the episode, I know you would have been speaking highly. You're the number one Laz fan. I so. mean, remember, I, I am a huge Laz. And remember, I was also the original Crazy Raccoon enthusiast. Oh, yeah. As well. This guy loves Crazy, crazy Raccoon. You pissed me sure. right off. Oh, in what way? You, you were rooting for Crazy Raccoon to upset Gambit. Oh, well, yeah, but they almost... Dude, dude, and that's why... See, I was on the episode, but that if I was, trust me, yep. I would have had Zeta winning. I love yep. Cra Crazy Raccoon. Let's go. Let's go Crazy Raccoon. You know, we're, we're fans. We're both hanging out. And, and then also Zeta, Laz, and Joyer. 
when I saw Laz lost that first match, I was like, not again. Not again, man. Because I had in my brackets Zeta winning it all, despite what was said on this podcast earlier. Yep. I did. I just wasn't on the episode. Yep. We would have had a much higher on the power ranking if it weren't yep. for if it weren't for one man. Mm, not uh, two. Mm, not yeah. <laughs> Who could it yeah, be? Yeah, you really messed this one up. Uh, uh, Josh. Liquid over them. You had crew. Yeah. Had fanatic. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to deliver anything to the Prime Minister of Japan because I don't think I would be welcome in the country uh, based on my recent Twitter DMs. Uh, but I am going to I am going to issue an apology. Okay. <clears throat> Finally. I'm sorry. I thought Zeta Division would be a bad team based on their bad online performances. And I was wrong. I'm ashamed of my analysis. I should have realized Zeta would improve exponentially at Reykjavik. It's my job to predict results accurately. And I should have known that a region that only had won three maps ever at Masters would make top four at this event. I let my baldness go to my head. And for that, from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry. Please, please don't harass Bren or Bala or Kurt. I, I, am, I am fully responsible for all failures to acknowledge the Japanese domination in Valorant. <sighs> I made a severe lapse in my judgment. I don't expect to be forgiven. I'm just here to apologize. I'm sorry to the Japanese fans. I'm sorry to the Japanese Prime Minister. And most importantly, I'm sorry to the Zeta Division. I made a dumb mistake because I am a dumb, bald egg who saves far too much money on shampoo each year. I promise to do my best from now on. Thank you to all of the Platchat members for supporting me during this hard time so I can learn and grow and change. I really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind just hitting the join button underneath this video, we'd really, you know, that helps us through these hard times. And uh, yeah, all I can hope for is you accept this apology. Wow. That's heartfelt. That's heartfelt. That was beautiful. We that will support you. Poetic. I can't believe that vulnerable. there's even an option to stop the baldness going to your head. I didn't even think that's it's I didn't think there's two choices there. I didn't know. But that's crazy. That's crazy. Oh yeah. God. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll tell you what though. Yeah. I'll tell you what though, I'm doubling the fuck down. Okay. Um, what? <laughs> no. I'm doubling the fuck what? down. I'm doubling down. I'm doubling down, okay. Oh no. I'm doubling down. Keep him in the upside down. Okay, here's my double down. Oh god. People seem to think that this team was always good and hasn't massively improved. And that to me is the biggest, the biggest theme of this whole event is how much better Zeta Division have got. They have completely changed their play style. They are way slower, way more controlled, disciplined. I mean, the way in which they're using utility for each other and swinging with each other. And yet they all have that level of confidence because they've knocked off their nerves from the opening matches. These guys are playing such a different game. If you look at the game that they played against DRX the second time and the game they played against DRX the first time, and then you look even further back against the games they played like online in Japan, holy fuck, this team has just gotten so much better. And I don't know how. I really don't know how they've been able to make such unbelievable improvements over a short period of time. But... Holy shit, these guys are insane. They're, <laughs> they're insane. I think Sugar Zero is a top three player at the event right now. He's just nuts. 
That's not and then a the, hot take. No, I don't think that's a hot take. And then I think, you know, they're just peppered with other players that I knew would be I decent, mean, like Laz as well. incredible. And then Ten's raise has just been insane. I heckin' love Ten, man. I heckin' love it. That guy is actually so fucking good. It's crazy. He's crazy. That dude is like, it's legit. I think this is just the classic sandbag strategy. Sandbag a year, and then look good second year. That's just a classic <laughs> strategy from just Aiden Division here. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it. I think it could be a bit of the thing where, like, uh, when they're playing online and Crazy Raccoon do play kind of crazy. That it kind of uh, just creates an environment that isn't conducive to like good look to like conventionally good looking Valorant, but within that, the player's skill is still extremely high on Zeta. And then when they get to the world stage against really good teams from other regions, they're able to to learn a bit and adapt and play a more solid game against teams that are also more cohesive. If, if that makes, mm. I'm not sure but, if the, but it's that also, makes sense, but, but the, also the Japanese, within that, sorry, it's, go on. Uh, but within that, it's, sorry, just the, pl the players that looked good to me, that like, that look good online, we talked about them last week, are just in unreal form at this event. I mean, like you knew, you knew Laz was going to be good because he already proved it when he played at uh, Berlin that he was a nasty good player internationally. But he's just been sick this whole event. Still, he is just so demonic. <laughs> His chamber is so good. Um, and then Sugar Zero is the biggest surprise to me, at least just from what I saw online. He was he was good, but I mean, holy shit. He activated when they needed him. And in the group stage, I think especially in those games, he just started going crazy. And then, yeah, you just have two great, great duelist players as well in, in 10 and depth. And it just, it rounds out this roster that just has sick skill pretty much across the board. These guys can take over rounds. I mean, I have never seen, I don't know if there's a stat for this, but they have to be the team that has gotten the most aces at an international event. I swear in that G2 game, they got like seven aces. It was <laughs> fucking nuts. There, I don't know if that's a stat anywhere or if some, yeah, someone can merge that. that one off or run it back GG, but they have to have gotten the most aces out of any team at an event. It's ridiculous. They, they also keep improving. I mean, they, they are a different team already to the team that was playing in the group stage. And I don't just mean that opener against DRX. It wasn't a case of like having one-off nerves and then they immediately were good straight out of the groups. I think they looked all right in their game against NIP. But like I said, they could have easily lost that game. Yep. And then they improved and they improved again. And even when they lost to G2, I think they were playing some pretty excellent Valorant. And then their performance that they pulled out against DRX is just absolutely fucking bonkers. It, it really is. Even the game against Liquid that we just saw a couple clips of. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. They keep... Uh, the game against Fnatic, I think, when they first started this run, uh, was very hectic. Very chaotic. I mean, they were winning off of skill. It wasn't necessarily the same type of like cohesiveness and chemistry that we see them consistently trade each other and play off of each other. And then... And then the game against NIP as well, that one I was very under, like, impressed with, like, not impressed with the way that they were actually approaching the the slow defaults. They were they were starting their executes from really, really far back. There was no fluidity or flexibility in how they actually approached that. It felt kind of like they were DRX on that level. But as they continued, 
this team is like the most patient. They they'll they'll wait until exactly the right moment to get away from something or to try to move or they're like I don't know. It just feels like they know the timing that their teammates are right there with them so that they can trade. There's so many moments where you're like, okay, any other person would be peeking at by now, but nobody on this team except for Laz is really even giving themselves a long enough leash to go for bad plays, um, which is so impressive from this team because mm. constantly on online you're watching them make those type of bad plays what when um when we were talking in our episode last week as well and we were saying that one of the emea teams had stopped scrimming against them because they just didn't think they were a good team that mm -hmm. wasn't a bit like some of the japanese fans thought that that was a bit and thought we were being disrespectful and just making it up but that that was real like they played against some of the EMEA teams and they took a map off like a really good team. And so there was a bit of hype around them, like Bren was saying. And then one of the teams just refused to play against them anymore because they were like, these guys aren't good enough to actually be effective practice. Uh, and you can hear it in some of the interviews with these guys when you when we are like getting them and talking to them about the overall, you know, narratives of the tournament. They're like, holy crap, Zayda's gotten so much better. Um, I think it was I think it was one of the G2 players in one of Mixwell. their interviews. Right. Mixwell was like yeah, these guys didn't seem very good when we played against them at the beginning, and they've just come on leaps and bounds. He was really surprised at how well they'd performed. I, I really think that there's somebody, and I feel like it's a coach or an IGL, rather than just being a big team effort, because a lot of it's been ex very um, strategic. Like, they are counter-stratting DRX really effectively. They've massively changed their play style, probably in reaction to the teams that they've scrimmed against and what they thought was an effective adaptation. Somebody, there's like a big brain behind this team that's done bits for them. Uh, and I don't know who it is because they haven't really talked about the strategic side of things. They're holding their cards close to their chest at the moment. But if at some point they get eliminated or fuck it, win the whole tournament and, talk, and start talking about it, I really want to know like from their point of view, how they perceive their development over the last couple of months or last month, really. Um, because I, I think it's something special. Yeah. Yeah. This is crazy to look at, like specifically that you mentioned, Josh, the tact, like from a tactical perspective, like when we watched how Zeta division and like crazy raccoon had played in the previous events, leading up to this, both this year and last year, it just didn't seem like a complete team. Like, even in moments like this, where, like, this is a really fun play, where they had 10... 10 Sage, by the way, was really good as well, on top of his race. I actually thought his his Sage on Icebox, like, the way they played around it and on, and on Split was actually pretty good, where he would use the wall to just bait Util and then push, like, constantly. They would pop the wall, and as soon as the wall's coming up, like, because they have the, they have the Viper wall up... Like they had DRX, like, oh shit, we need to get this wall down. We need to get this wall down so we can put, so we can do post plant. And they would do these sort of plays where they'd pop a wall and then immediately they'd move aggressive past the wall, expecting they'd start dumping util and shots into the wall. And they would just like flank around it. And they did this like over and over and over again using the Viper wall as cover. And it was really cool to witness because I was like, this is something I've never seen Zeta do ever. And then another good example when you talk about like the leash they gave Laz, go actually, Kurt, instead of this clip, go to round, um, go to round tw uh, 20. But around 20 in the icebox thing. Like, they did stuff that, like, I've never seen Zeta do ever when we've ever watched this team. Like, they would make sure, they would, they would condition areas of the map, and then they would, pop the, they would pop the orb, use a drone on A to make noise, and they would just put Laz through that orb through mid. They were doing this sort of stuff, like, constantly. Like, doing these sort of plays where they're talking about that leash they gave Laz, 
so often on on the like icebox on split like and then we never saw them do this before ever and then you yeah, just open the site for free what i think is mad about it too is i could kind of understand it if it felt like stuff they'd um copied from teams that they'd scrimmed against while they were here if it was something where i'm like oh i've seen that play before it's really cool that zeta have incorporated that but i really feel like their style right now is unique it's unique to this tournament and the stuff that they've added into their game i ha i'm not seeing from other teams in that I, I mean i'm thinking of like the the shock molly combos they were doing to really screw up drx when they played against them on icebox when they were trying to get those plants down i know that a lot of teams go for shock molly combos but none of the teams are putting such a heavy emphasis on it right now and using it to directly counter strat a team like drx that goes for like safer plant positions and then plays post plant these kind of ideas don't feel like they're being copied they feel like they're being you know actively created by zeta division and they're they're one of the teams actually pushing the meta forward as mad as that is yeah i mean you could tell just but just the shock molly example no team is like consistently hitting the timings that well in the so many different plant spots you know so yeah. you could tell that's something that they mm. clearly 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 worked on it's just it's just crazy that we didn't see that shit at all in the first game <laughs> you know it's such a mind-blowing improvement uh, and, and you're right I, I struggle to see how how and where they come from um but i do know that in situations like this when teams get on a run like this they will take a lot of the ideas that maybe they've had in the past and they'll just start running through them um they might have practiced it even prior but they just like never really get to a spot where these things really work but then when they really are clicking together all of a sudden um they have the comms they have the chemistry they have the awareness of each other to be able to pull them off and well, you I, we did a comms piece by the way where mm -hmm. you could hear the zeta division communications with each other in a round and even just from that you can tell that these guys are good mm -hmm. like extremely efficient communication um calling very effectively for other people's utility to be used to set them up and immediately working with each other in in a way that isn't just like we have an exec and we don't really need to comment because we know what everybody's job is yeah. it's like a, it's an improvised i think the clip that they used was like an improvisational a split on on split something like that yeah and the way in which they were calling for all of their utility and asking people to hold angles for each other and this kind of stuff is very structured uh, and yeah I, I don't know it's just working incredibly well these guys are also just hitting shots yeah i mean they're in great Skills. tournament form it's crazy but yeah it's uh, it's uh it's cool to see how effective they are at at working these laz lurks on on attack and setting them up to succeed and find positions to take advantageous duels and then so often in the late round you have him or sugar zero able to just close the rounds out um and even win rounds where it feels like you know, you say it's like they, they, it feels like a round they don't deserve because they're at some kind of numbers disadvantage or some sort of disadvantage, but yet those guys are able to, to pull off so many, so many big late round, uh, uh, you know, whether it be a straight up clutch or crucial kill to win in those scenarios. And I also, yeah, it's, I think one of the unique aspects of their play also just comes down to the fact that they're the only team that's still playing so much Astra in a meta that is just yeah. omen and brim defined they they have stuck with the astra and have found a way to make it work and not just make it work but have a guy 
bragging hard on the roll, but also effectively using the utility both both for his teammates and himself. Like there are there are yeah. a lot of moments where he's playing around his own util very effectively, but they're also still managing to to use the grav wells effectively as a team, which no other team is is doing at the moment. No other team has an Astra. Um I mean, has an Astra end of sentence, but also has an Astra that has managed to play this effectively in the current meta. When, um, they, when they play on split attack, right, just a little micro example, they play a lot of the time so slowly and in such safe positions that they are drawing both smokes out of the Omen player before their Astra has even used a single piece of utility. And that, when you look at the agent balance, is it, it almost feels like it should be the other way around. Like the Astra only has four stars, you know, they're, they're not on a cooldown. Yeah. That player should be feeling the pinch when it comes to the balance of the smokes. And their play style puts enormous pressure on the other team in terms of their utility usage and saves so much of it for themselves for when they actually try to commit to um to taking the map or or going for an exec even defensively that's a that's a theme as well mm. just the way that they use the viper in combination with the astra to lock down two chokes rather than try to have like the astra lock down multiple by themselves it's so nice like in middle for example they hold so much control for so long because they have viper orb there and astra star which they use to cover and keep up 100 percent of the time it's it's really really nice so by the time they actually do hit something. He still has two stars ready to go. Yeah, Lies I was, is I was so fucking good with... on the lurk. It's yeah. just yeah. outrageous. I mean, he literally he won. They were already winning this match either way. Like once they got to this point, but they literally he had like one of the cooler plays in the tournament where, uh, like Kurt, if you just go to like round seventeen, it's when they're like they they have that split hit and he commits the the pit into yeah. a heaven. And oh, then they right. just and they split for B and like Gorgeous. and then he just plays the pit and gets like multiple kills. And that's the so last round, cool. right? Yeah, yeah it was like the last round. round. The last yeah. round of the game. It was like he, he just did. They just did crazy fun shit. Like and it was really <laughs> smart. It was like smart, cool utility plays. So I, it, it was a very different team, I think, than what we saw coming into this event. Um, the also, thing too, to this. Oh, go ahead, Ball. Actually, you go first. I was just gonna say, like the players that they brought over from North Eption uh, after their LCQ retool was so good and i think they put themselves in a really good position to grab those players by the way uh, just by not participating in that but those guys have brought in the style of north Eption from lcq and from beyond as well where they are abusing the crap out of low econ weapons man they are actually godlike with the shorties with the judges with the buckies in some cases too like it is ridiculous the amount of value that they find um it i, I think it's like a, a thing that especially um Sugar Zero does very well with his way that he plays. Was he the guy that got the 2k with the stinger on Ascent? No, yeah, that's... Well, there's also Depp did it on Split on their yeah. on their bonus. He had a 2k with... He, he, played, uh, he was playing Heaven and as they were entering through Choke, I think on like round... I want to say like round 3, Kurt or something potentially, like he just sat there and got 2 as they were entering Choke and they just didn't trade him. It was really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it was just really dumb. Uh, they got so much value with like their eco, like just so often my point wasn't even related to zeta just as a final oh. thing i was just gonna say holy fuck does the valorant marketing team and brand team their integration continue to fucking 
rock my fucking socks off like every time because they had remember they made that remix zeta nice song for all the co- collection of like them saying nice and they made a song yeah. they're playing i'm like already i was like this is fucking cool because they're like playing it and then they had that song ready just in case zeta won that when they won the match they played that as the outro music yeah to the match was the zeta nice song wow, and i was like holy I was like, holy fuck, this is so cool. And then, of course, because they're all, because like all the marketing nerds and like integration nerds are out there on Twitter from Riot, and they're like, because I tweeted, I was like, this is so fucking cool. All of them were like, oh, thank you for noticing. This is so fucking cool. Like, all of them were just like losing their mind that I noticed that they did this. Like, they're just, they just, they love doing shit like that. It's so fun. Yeah. It, I mean, in the midst of all of this, too, it hasn't actually even been a great tournament from Depp. Uh, especially at the beginning of the tournament, he was completely missing from most of their games and they were still popping the fuck off. And it, this guy's actually started to wake up, mm-hmm. which makes it this team even scarier than... Like, what you currently think about if you've watched Zayda in this tournament, I think they're going to look even stronger if Depp starts playing like he did online. He was their biggest fragger online, like above Sugar Zero, above Laz, this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, by playing the sage and playing yeah. the jet and he actually just fucking fell over at the beginning of this tournament and it feels like now he's gotten his feet underneath him and that's yeah. dangerous yeah they've got four players who are all capable of, of just like it because they've done it just acing out rounds and just yeah. finding all the kills with unbelievable you know just vandal tapping precision um all right we're gonna move on to one of the one of the other top four teams here, Paper Rex. We've I, I keep talking about them in passing because they are just so d- entertaining to watch. They are just one hundred percent purified joyous whimsy that seems to just be instilled from the top down leadership, and that Benkai just is she just seems like a funny dude, and that has seemed to in some way permeate into the rest of the team where they. Look like they're just having a good time. They're just having fun. I mean, I, I, I send you a number of rounds there, Kurt, and a lot of them kind of just tell the same story, which is just unbelievable, just foot-on-the-gas aggression. Their idea of extremity control is like five guys just running into an area on defense. They were down, it was 9-3, right, on this, on this yeah. split game to G2, and they came back on defense with just f- ruthless aggression. This is one of the only rounds they ended up losing. But Forsaken just had a crazy 3K on this. I mean, he was just... He started going off after their first game. I think he was perhaps a little quiet, but then he just went back into God form. And he just rolled G2 on, on split. And then the Yoru on bind was just something else. But this team is just so aggressive in the most fun way. But with a, a lot of coordination in that they're just always on the same page with the aggression, they have always just an, an ease in their willingness to help each other while they go for these wacky plays. <laughs> I mean, to, to, the, to the effect where when they're on eco rounds, like, Curry, you could pull up one of the eco ones or something maybe, but, like, they're, they're going up against eco and they're just sending it onto that. Like, there's the one on mid. I, I can't remember the name of it, but... God, they are just so aggro. It's very fun to watch, and it's working for them. It's another unique approach to the point where you were talking about teams that are left are the ones controlling the tempo, Josh. I mean, they are an easy example of that in the very eye-catching way. 
I've got a, I mean, uh, something that I really noticed in the G2 game as well is that they hard punish teams that aren't willing to throw fakes at them. Like they they will rotate and just believe you that you're going for the sight hit and you end up running into a ton of people that are willing to fight you in the choke point. So that, that was like a little thing that I picked mm -hmm. up from the G2 game. But I think in general too, oh, is this going to be the Yoru yeah. play where they, 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 they tap the player, they ping the player to yep. set them up for a fault line? And then the, you just can't avoid what's going on here. Yeah, and they, I mean, it's, yeah, it is. It's such a great set play. It's. I it's mean, you can so just good. see Meadow is just lost in the sauce at that point, and they just loved having Jig with like a Bucky or a Judge get into into U-Haul, which and was I wanna, pretty funny. I, I want to kind of this this style. I firmly believe it wouldn't work if they didn't also have those shit ton of set plays that they can throw at you too. Yeah, because I think one of the one of the key themes to how Paper X plays is if you try and put yourself into G2's shoes, you're not really sure whether they are inting or coordinating a crazy set play. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so difficult to read because sometimes it is just coordinated schmeeging, but sometimes it's an insanely elaborate set play where you need to get the fuck out of dodge really quick and read that it's coming or you've just lost the round instantly. And so from G2's perspective, or for any team that's trying to deal with this, sometimes you're going to have to fight them and stop giving up that space because Jing's I'm ju just going to run at you I mean, and this... just start challenging you. I mean, this was just fucking dumb It's against an well, eco. <laughs> it's just yeah. This is the round I was talking Mental. about where Nuki just ends up mid and they yeah. get slowed. Yeah. But but I think that if you put yourself in the shoes of their opponents, it is so difficult to get a read on whether or not they are just uh, ego challenging you and you need to start, start shutting that down or whether mm. you need to bail because they're running some heavy elaborate, elaborate strat. So they kind of like, they, they have, I'm thinking about it in fucking poker terms really, but they have like a large amount of these big value set execs and then they throw these like bluff we're inting at you rounds in there too. Yeah. And they'll both catch you off guard because the response to both of them has got to be so different, but they're very difficult to read in the moment. Yep, they just hit their randomizer and see what they have to do on that, <laughs> on that round. And there you go. Um, I mean, this is another one where they're just on eco and Forsaken's just, he's got 30 HP and then they're still just trying to fight and they're dying to the sheriff. So then he just posts back up on the angle. Vova's like, oh, let me get the fuck out of here. And then he just gets caught. He swaps to the rifle. I mean, it's just, it's madness. Like that's one where it's just madness. But they're all just fighting with each other. They're all just swinging. They're taking the fights. It's it's. There's no hesitation whatsoever. That's yeah. I mean, that's a good example of the the opposite of what you're saying, or or just that other yeah, kind like, of round, rather, not the opposite, right, but the right. other kind of and, round. And um, those kind of rounds remind me of Phase. But Phase, when they were on their run, never had any of the level of the coordination and set play stuff that makes them just exponentially more difficult to deal with. Um, so I, I think this team's going to do some serious damage because they look like they're in outrageous form right now. I mean, Forsaken and Jing look like the best like frontline duo at the whole tournament. When yeah. you're playing against them as well, you kind of saw it um, on the periphery when Kurt was showing the stats earlier with the first kill, first death. But Forsaken takes an early round fight every round, <laughs> damn near. I mean, b quite literally, almost every single round, you are fighting him somewhere early on the map, or he's posting up with the AWP early. And you're just always 
you you just you live in fear because you know that your angle might not be safe. You might not be able to peek. Yeah, there's the first what is it sorted by? First yeah, first kill per round. And then also, I mean his first death per round is high too. It is, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean but, 46% of the time he is taking an early duel. Yeah. And he either wins crazy. it or he loses it. Even when he loses it, he's like slowed everybody else down from doing their thing. And you, suddenly you're playing reactively to what Jing is probably or. trading too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was one thing too uh, that I think G2 got caught off by was the fact that like the guard was doing, doing like the default that you probably should be doing against them. But immediately Paper Rex recognized that and they were just like walking down into it instead. And then in the G2 game, Instead of that happening, because G2 is like, yeah, we'll hold and we'll probably do better because the guard weren't as good. They literally just get flashed and dashed yeah. on. Like, <laughs> so it yeah. was like they just changed how they were approaching it. And it was really, really nice. In this game, too, when they tried to prep for the, the Yoru, it was like all the adjustments that they were making, Paper Axe had a, a way to counter that adjustment as well and it's not even like a sophisticated like a sophisticated way to do it or creative even it's just like okay well when this happens and they adjust this way to try to stop our your tp into the lamps this spot is open you know it's like really basic stuff and we can flank them so yeah i think this is a tough team to prepare for because of all that set play stuff and also that makes them dangerous you're damn right but i gotta say one player who this series was great for uh, like low key was Sabrosa because no longer is the Ray's alt called a Rosa alt. It is now a Jing alt. <laughs> he will not be made Wait, fun of in no, Twitch chat anymore. Soulcast versus versus Zeta was fucking crazy, bro. But, so I, I mean, Avova must have dodged like five yeah. showstoppers just by TPing away from them. It was crazy. Listen, I'm gonna find a way to talk about TSM even when we're doing the Masters only episode. I'll still, <laughs> I'll still find a way to slip that in for a little bit of clout and extra viewership. <laughs> but yeah, Paper Rex, just they're so damn fun to watch. All right, so are they the only team so far to have won a match on a LAN event with Yoru? Yes, 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 yes. They Which are, is, and also the Yoru top fragged. I like mean, he destroyed them on Vine. There's like 30 kills. But I mean, it's also yeah. new Yoru. There is no way is that still, he'd be able to do the same kind of things he's doing with old Yoru. It's still Like historic. a lot of the set plays. Yeah, of course, it's historic. It's still but historic. A, a lot of the cool shit that he's doing, you actually need the new Yoru to be able to pull that stuff off. It, it makes all of the, you know, like he's going in and getting full info for his team because he's got the near sight removed. He's like pinging him out and flashing his opponents while he's still in the ult. He's like TPing away while he's in his ult as well. Like there's so much that Forsaken's pushed that it's all part and, and all kind of due to this patch that made him genuinely well, viable. Reactively like. fault lined and orbital struck people through, <laughs> through the ult if you found them in the near side. That could have yeah. happened. Yeah, like was running around blind <laughs> looking for a player. <laughs> also, I mean, also, I do think that it's still interesting in two because even if Yoru is new, it still seems like better wise he's not seen as like a particularly great pick of course overall so like i still think it's something interesting enough to highlight like yes like sure he's not as ass as he was before but he's still like yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty meh you know yeah or he's yeah. just cracked cracked and goaded and no one wants to admit it yeah true also props to mind freak that guy went from like the most nervous wreck i've ever seen in the opening game against trx where that was just spaghetti everywhere to like consistently finding not only individual plays, but also just setting up his goddamn duelist so yeah. damn well.
He has really good util uh, usage. Plays off the smokes very well. All right. Uh, Optic, the hope of North America. NA, deeper in the tournament than EU. Just going to put that one out there for any other fellow Americans. Uh, Optic, our NA's last hope. The hope of America. Um, they are going to be playing against Loud in the upper final. And they've played... I've never watched more Optic in my life than in this past week. I feel like I've seen so many games... I've just never seen more games of Optic. I've watched so much fucking Optic this week. Um, but they have played just a number of games, the, late, the latest one being a, a close, impressive win over DRX, where this, this clip is from now, that has gotten them into that upper bracket final. But yeah, it has been a whole lot of optic. What the hell do we make of their run so far? Expected. <laughs> I mean, I, I told you guys, I had, I did have Optic making grand finals. However, Guard did not make it, so technically, you know, I didn't get that part right of the NAA grand finals. But I, I've, but also, if, you it, if you think about it, SEA really, and SEA just means for super extension of America because of Pangea. It was all one continent at one point, anyway. So I mean, just remember that. Remember that one, guys. But I, I, I mean, uh -huh. I, I don't think we're that. I don't think it's that crazy when you think about how Optic had been performing coming in to Masters, right? They looked fucking. Their form looked incredible. Their form looked really good, and now it seems like they've only continued to level up as they've gotten here to Masters. So I'm like, fuck yeah! Like this team looks fucking incredible. I don't really have like I don't really have much else to say. They just look fucking good. They look really fucking good. I've never heard more just like America. Like Dude, I'm on the straight up NA Hopium. <laughs> NA Hopium, Copium, like whatever. I also think Marved is like looking like the best smokes player at the event. So I mean uh, mm -hmm. Sugar Zero really? exists. Yeah. Sugar Zero looks good, but I'm I'm still putting Marved in that cat. I agree. Sugar Zero should be up in the conversation. Like I'm not saying Both I'm amazing. just saying my personally, I think Marved is looking like the best. But Sugar I, Zero, I wouldn't be mad yeah. if someone picks Sugar Zero. You know, I'm not gonna be mad about that. Listen, I I I kind of agree with that. I don't know. It's tough to pick between the two. Marv has been amazing. I, I feel like... I, I don't know. I, I don't want to just be the guy who just starts saying everything is fucking underrated, but I do think Marv is like... Maybe up until the existence of Sugar Zero at the event, I do think he is the best Smokes player in the game. And I don't know if he gets credit for that always. I, I don't fucking know. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say... I'm gonna, dude, I'm going to say something right now, and people aren't going to like it. But it's the God's honest truth, okay? And you guys might not like it either. We'll see. We'll see. Okay? I think that individually, I feel like FNS gets too much shit. <laughs> I really don't think he's playing. I think he's doing pretty well. People give him too much shit individually. There have been a ton of rounds in this tournament where he gets like a crucial, crucial 3k, you know what I mean? Wins out the round. There was the one game where, god damn it, I can't remember which game it was because there have been so many Optic games, but I remember the one, one game, on everybody was slacking, except for him on Breach, was keeping them in yeah. the game individually. Uh, yeah, he had another birthday game. He, but, <laughs> but Wyatt, they stand out because he's normally a pacifist. He, he's doing an Undertale run where he doesn't kill any of the animals. <laughs> and, and he decided to betray that for Gosh. one game, and no, he stood out for you. He is, not he is currently... Game. I'm going to hit you with stats and logic. <laughs> he's, 
He he's currently just looked it up. He's currently the eighth lowest rated player at the event, and I agree. He's having a better event than usual, but but it's not that he's like he. What what's impressive about him at this event, in my opinion, is that he's he's like buying time for the rest of his players when they aren't turning up. I think he had an insanely crucial. <laughs> That's, I no, think he had an I, insanely crucial I, I, like yeah. half a map where Victor was nowhere to be seen. That without that, they're they're in the lower bracket. They're like maybe going home even. You know, like yeah, it would be a different tournament for them. That was, uh, yeah, I listen, I agree with that. But I think even, even that game aside where he actually did bail them out individually, I think it was on Fracture, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, even that game aside, I do feel like he, I don't, he's, he's, one of the, he's one of the players that like, he will, he will pepper in those rounds for you where he's like playing Killjoy on Ascent defense. They hit his sight and he gets three for you and wins you some straight up rounds. Like he's not the consistent high fragger, but I feel like he has enough moments of, I'm going to get like two or three kills that effectively win this round that he, he, he like should be in a slightly, he should be in a higher regard individually. And I think people's minds where they're, I feel like he gets no credit at all. Where it's just like too, it's too extreme. Does that make sense? Am I? Sp do you guys sure. understand? So what, what I'm you want here? us to do is give him random credit for when he like not random credit, but give him credit for when he randomly pops off. And that's no, he's like, just like yeah, but he does it with some consistency. I think he's just. Yeah. It's like say I, the problem is he's fine, and people. I feel like he's fine. Right, why don't you just drink it's your more water, so that he's just, bad. just drink I'm just your saying. Water. Okay, see, I uh, not listen. I told listen, wait, from, from which from which water? <laughs> Pick Dude, a water, I'm, huh? I'm just anyway. saying too much shit individually. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you something, Greg. Okay? I think he I think he called a phenomenal game against uh DRX in Derek. particular. I think I think he played super well. And he's definitely had that moment where, which was so important. Was it this game against the guard? Was yeah, this, was the this game really that he well. kept the yeah. minute? Yes, it was against right. the guard where they were gonna. Yeah, yeah, it was that game actually. Yeah, and, and I think in general he seems to. I can't exactly remember this, but I seem to remember we had this same kind of conversation uh, at Berlin where we were saying, "Oh, FNS is actually performing a lot better at this tournament." Well, maybe I'm mixing him up with Steel though as well because I remember we definitely had. No, that it was about it was about him at Berlin. I remember. Right. Right. I yeah. So maybe, you know, like the the big moments, he just finds the ability to have that extra bit of impact that's really important for his team but but i think the the most important thing he's actually contributing here is the um the ability to read his opponents and and get the you know the little extra percent out of the adjustments that they make yeah for sure, I, for I have sure. not been I, i've not been on the hard optic train though i know that they're guaranteed top three at this event but coming in, I had them as my favorites. And I, okay, I don't think they're my favorites anymore. I think I'm on the loud train currently, but we'll get onto them. No, don't curse them. Stay on that optic okay. train. Yeah, actually, stay on that fucking the optic fuck train that. right now. <laughs> Tell me about how optic also, are the best team in the world, Josh. I, I think for me, it's come down so much to whether Victor is online in these games. And I don't know whether they can just. Access that anytime. 
I think as it comes down to later games, though, I think EA has more potential to take over because I think you're going to be so deep within the weeds of adjustments and counter-stratting and whatnot that, like, he, he like, in the game against uh, Gambit as well, like, in, in the finals, like, he had the opportunity to do that type, type of stuff. So I don't think I have as much insistence on Victor in that type of game which makes no sense and it's counterintuitive, but for the most part, I agree with you. I also think, though, that they, if we're thinking about, you know, like the game that they're going to be playing against Loud, Loud have been playing from the comfort of their own hotel rooms. I don't know what the situation is going to be of whether or not they're allowed out of isolation before this next game, but that might be a bit of an adjustment period in a massive game. So they're going to get PTSD, is that what you're saying? Like, what do you mean PTSD? I just stuck in the hotel room playing No, no, again. no, no, no. What, what I mean is, I don't. sorry, I, I phrased that wrong because I said them instead of actually using a team name. But I mean for Loud. For Loud, oh, it's going to be a, okay. a, an adjustment getting... Getting out of... I'll just continue. Where getting go? out of... Go? It's going to be an adjustment oh, for Loud getting out... Out and back onto out? the stage. Okay. Ah, okay. Getting, getting onto the stage. Ah, ah, I see. ah, right, the stage, wow. of course, yes. <laughs> oh, right, yes, sure. of course. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else uh, Anything else pertinent that we want to talk about with Optic here, or is it time to talk about Loud? Uh, I, I would say they're, they're, the, they're the only team that has played how I expected them to play out of the, like, favorite group. Well, I guess, like, DRX actually is pretty similar to how I thought they'd play as well. But, yeah. That I think Optic are currently playing how you'd expect Optic to play. It hasn't Do we put really any been stock like a... into the first match uh, against Zersha? Or is that like just like a fluke thing that happened? Because to me, there was like some really bad moments in that game. But since then, all of that has disappeared, which is really, really good. And kind of, at, at first, when we watched this game, I was like, holy fuck, like, they're just a choking yeah. land team. Like, On FNS's no best mental game. <laughs> you look at the stats. <laughs> you look at the stats. Bit of an off game. <laughs> Rough one for him. Yeah. Well, he was playing Sage on Icebox, so I'll shoot him some bail. That's a True. He did tweet about map. playing Sage on Icebox again. Sage on Icebox that is. does suck. <laughs> it is I was like, they have no mental resilience. stats for your team. But, but, uh, but after that, it clearly completely shook that entire narrative. Like I'm no longer saying that like they've lost maps and come back. They've won. Like it's a lot different. I think a lot of it comes as well to the amount of cringe comps they're playing too. <laughs> Cause it's so far out of the meta. It's like, Hey, this is, this is something that nobody's going to be ready for. So we can win yeah. with this one. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Loud. It's loud time. Now I'm going to say up front, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my... Listen, I want to pog, okay? I want to pog, but what I'm going to do is stay calm and relaxed because I don't want to curse them accidentally by getting too excited. So I want everybody to give calm, reasonable takes about loud. Now, I'll, I'll begin. I still think I'm going to stick with my prediction of them winning the tournament. I believe that they're the best team there. Now, I hope that I'm not somehow cursing them by saying so yet again, because they're so close. They are so close to winning. So I'm going to keep calm, and I'm just going to, you know, enjoy continuing to watch loud and 
see what happens. Players are playing very well. Saucy, very bald, much like you, Josh. Very similar. <laughs> have you have you been in the same room as Saucy yet, or what? I haven't actually. You haven't I, yet. The balds have not convened. <laughs> Just the the you, meeting of the balds has not. Has Link, not yet has happened. Link already left? Did Link you, Saucy, and Tom? Yeah, I, I've walked past Link, but I didn't like touch. Well, I wanted to have like a, I wish there was a content piece. They got you, Link, and Saucy all in the same yeah. room. And you know, have Tombas and run the content piece. That would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I want someone, some, some, someone, take it away. Connor, we haven't heard from you on loud yet. Tell me, what, what are I mean, your I'll thoughts? S- here, here's what I'm gonna say. I was a driver of the. I don't want to talk about Brazil anymore. Mm-hmm. narrative because of all the previous moments that have happened throughout Brazilian history here in Valorant <laughs> and mostly perpetrated by us here on this podcast um, and when I watched an IP I was like mm, jail Valorant I don't think this is what's going to do it for me but loud you got me you got me <laughs> this team it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. They're doing shit I have yet to see this region really effectively do, you know, like consistently. Um, they're looking like an overall great team. Uh, I I mean, the shit, I, I love the plays they're doing consistently with like Sodhawk and Aspas. They do them so often, like on pistol rounds and even on like on various other rounds where they're just like, Especially on pistol though, like here on ascent or even on breeze, where they'll just take an area of the map and they'll use like a drone and they'll follow up with a knife or a flash to give us space and they'll just take an, a complete area of the map on pistol. They'll do the like both on defense or offense. Um, it's great. It's great. I really I think overall this team is extremely polished on the front on all fronts. Everyone fucking frags. Uh, they have they have like the second youngest player on this team, right? Um, uh, Less is seventeen, Les. I believe. And yeah. that dude fucking anchors like a beast. That guy owns. Like yep. he's really, really good. So overall, this team is legit. I, I will say, we can now talk about Brazil. We can talk about Brazil, but only because of their one fucking super team that they have moved heaven and earth to create. <laughs> they have done it. They have finally assembled all the all the Infinity Stones. Like they've they've done it for sure. Like I, this team's legit, and I mean they could legitimately win this tournament for sure. Yep. My face when you've been madly ranting about a Brazilian super team for over a year, and it finally and they See, finally play at a land. <laughs> this is like that's not even a good prediction, man. That's just like saying like you know I I'm gonna say it like that's just like you 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 put enough energy out there. Eventually, it's gonna become true. They've got enough talent in Brazil. Why coming out first, being like. Yeah. Oh, they're gonna make a good team one day. Ten years later, good team emerges. You know, like so. But I think it's fair, Wyatt. You were the first on the train. You you win this round. No, 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 no. no. Can be I'm not about. trying to. No, I'm not trying to do a thing. I'm not trying to pat myself. No, you win. Taking credit Even before you. I'm not trying to take credit. You win. It's just take the victory. Okay, I'll take. take it. It. Well, I haven't gotten the victory yet, which is why I'm not getting ahead of myself because exactly. the tournament's not over. No, you can only take lose, the victory because cry. this is the best Brazil has ever done and is the best team they've ever produced. Still, yeah, like. See, it's Even just Vivo Keed, it's also far. Connor. It's if they win, it's not just that I've been I've been ranting and raving and screaming at the clouds for Brazil to to just combine their best players and make a super team, and they find that no, no, no. It's also when you when you talk about the when you talk about plat chat overhyping Brazil, <laughs> you're talking about me. <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> me doing that for like two years. So, I uh, listen. I'm. I am just sitting here, and I'm 
patiently waiting to see the results, and I hope Loud go out there and do their best and win the game. Give them hell, boys. <laughs> that would be very nice. I, but I'm not going to curse I them think, by getting too excited. I really think anyone can win this tournament still. I think um, there's a serious mix-up of different styles, and it's not necessarily a rock, paper, scissors element, but certain teams seem to match up much better theoretically against others. Uh, and also, I believe the grand final is BO5, but I don't know about the it other matches. Lower bracket final and grand final. For best Whoa, of see, that really does change things, I think. Because mm. Optic have a pretty insane depth to their map pool. And Loud's map pool is, I mean, if you just look at their stats, it's fucking nuts. But I feel like there's a couple of places where teams can take them that might be able to exploit that. Um, and I don't think that, that I've necessarily seen that depth as yet from uh, a Paper Rex. And even a Zeta. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and honestly Zeta as well, although Zeta's map pool is not terrible. But I, I think if both of these teams, now that both of these teams are guaranteed BO5s, they have a big advantage over the other teams because they have a lot more depth yes. to their pool. Yeah. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that they're... Like, I don't necessarily think they would actually be, like, guaranteed to win BO3s against even the teams down there in the lower bracket, your Zeta <clears throat> and your Paper Rex. Um, Loud have just looked so fantastic in this game against G2. But I also think you got them on their two best maps, arguably. Where they Sent just have, breeze? yeah. I mean, I think their ascent has been hands down their best map, and then their breeze just allows them to. <laughs> On again, their breeze again. allows them to. Tell me more about what their breeze allows them to do. Just when talking their, about what they're about to do. Their breeze allows them to move Aspas around the map so much more now that they've changed their composition. They, this comp, <laughs> they had ton of new ideas with it, and they went super mobile and set up Aspas for a ton of different stuff, and it looked yeah. sick. Um, I don't know if they've just got a bunch of new shit that they've cooked up for this tournament too, though, because I don't think their Fracture looked amazing. Their Haven looked weak when they played it against Liquid. Uh, their Bind, I think, might lose to somebody like Optic, who's just god-tier on Bind. But this team has actually already demonstrated that they've changed things compared to their dominance online. They have not stuck with the mantra of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They're, they're like, no, it's not broke. Let's make sure it's even better than everybody else's. Yep. Which, to me, is crazy. Like, this up. team has such a winner's mentality. Yep. And just remember, it's all about, you know, if we win Iceland, that's cool, but it's, it's all about champions, baby. All about loud winning champions. Deconstruct the hype. Nice. Also, yep. Go, Arthur. Deconstruct go. Deconstruct the hype. <laughs> um, also, just one final point of me pogging. Um, I feel like in this team online regionally in Brazil, I feel like Saucy has just been chilling because he really just hasn't need to be walk on water Saucy. Um, yeah. But in this tournament, he's just... He went crazy. Straight back G2. to it. Yeah, it was just, okay, well, uh, it's been nice taking a break in Brazil and letting Pancata just run this, just run over every team. But, you know, now that we're on the big stage again, I'll just get like 50 kills in a series and die twice. Four case spray transfer on, yeah. like, against Liquid on Black Yellow. Just, just insane. Okay. Most memorable plays still. Now, 
I want to do something here for a second. Just, you know, Josh, I, this may be, this segment might be a little bit for you, okay? Just a little something. We've talked about <laughs> all the teams, and I mentioned it when we talked about Optic. As an NA fan, I want to extend, I'm not, I mean, I'm not really an NA fan, but as a, Connor's an NA, well, sure, I, you know, for the sake of the segment, I'm, I love America. I'm going to, as an American, <laughs> extend the olive branch to you, a European who has suffered just a sad, sad defeat at this event, okay? I know this is so sad. Not even watching Rick's and Ten Star Vods can uplift the mood for you at a time <laughs> like this. So sad. Um, but I do kind of just want to, sort of in a, simil uh, a similar uh, metaphor to what Connor gave previously about the, the oil of the earth. Yeah, I sort of want to uh, dig for, for EU copium and just unearth that see if i can find some within you do you have any any eu copium you'd like to to give josh in the way of uh i'll give an example well if fpx were at the event right something that starts with that or like well durka couldn't play do you have anything you'd like to say in regard to that how would this event perhaps have gone if europe was there in full strength wouldn't have been close I mean, FPX are the best team in the world. They would have just rolled the entire bracket. I mean, Mech, Mech, Mech should have been here. They were the best team of last year. They're going to be the best team of this year. They missed out mm -hmm. by 0.02 seconds against a Fnatic that ended up just fucking losing all of their players all over the place. Yep. I mean, Durka wasn't able to play. He caught COVID. He was licking handlebars all over. What the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> and then and then they've got Brave Af just fucking texting Ukrainian girls with some absolute nonsense propaganda, then trying to walk it back a, a bit later, and then he's fucking can't even make it to the event anyway, even if he hadn't done that. And then fucking G2 just trolled the map vetoes the entire fucking time. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty... Sorry, that's, I had something I needed to get out of my system. That's, wow. about, that's about what I was looking for. Because I do think it is going to be a genuine discussion and... Kind of an annoying one, as we as we talk yes. about, like, oh, yes. well, the event did it have the best teams? I don't know. And then we're gonna do the thing where like some people try and devalue the event, and then other people are like, no, you're taking away from the credit that the teams deserve for winning. But I mean, in a very in and a then, very literal sense, yeah. All ignore all of the other shit. I mean, I'm yep. even fine if you ignore like Fnatic and all of that. But yep. FPX was the best team in EMEA, and they weren't able to attend. Yeah. yeah, and that's a that is a massive blow. I mean, can you imagine if that happened to Loud and we just judged Brazil by NIP? I know. And That'd I'm not saying that the gap is the same. Yeah, because Loud crushed their region. FPX. I mean, they kind of crushed their region. How many maps did they even drop? They dropped like one or something through the playoffs, didn't they? Yeah, they Maybe did kind of go on a tear, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they dropped one map. Playoffs, the... Yeah, to London. Yeah, that was honestly should have sent London United instead of Liquid. They'd have taken the event and, down. Uh, oh, uh, 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 oh, oh my <laughs> what god! Fuck is that? <laughs> Looking for FBX. <laughs> Fucking jump. What is happening? <laughs> what okay, is? My what? internet connection. My internet connection. Oh, okay. That was... that, that's a, that's another fucking reason that EME lost. Internet connection just <laughs> terrible in Iceland, and they were all playing on the bad lines, and then the desks had to be subbed out, and it was you know yeah. it, it weren't able to listen to music. Uh, well, Wasn't the only no. person that had to be changed stacks? That's the only one, correct? No. Yeah. There's oh, all, okay. all of the EMEA players. <laughs> yeah, at least Nimi, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. 
I mean, yeah. this is just so sad for FPX fans, Fnatic fans. So sad for EU. But also, going to be fun making fun of Europe after another Iceland for a few months you, until the next I event. Mean, <laughs> you could just hear the you could hear the ghost of Ryan Central in this moment right now. You can hear the ghost of Ryan Central. He's still alive, by the way. It's just Europe's not at the event, so like he's still he's still alive. It's just it, it's just overall. I, I he posted the copium tweet yesterday too. And I responded being like, you know what? That's all very fair, but don't care. Didn't ask plus G2 lost to Yoru. That yep. means, so that's just like, <laughs> don't care. Didn't just, ask that, plus L L L. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I feel like that's the thing about the EU copium. The worst part is like, yes, FPX should have been there. It's a shame. Like this tournament is way different because of that. Fnatic, their two impact players are gone. There is no excuse for G2 though. There is no, no excuse for G2. There's none to be had. Like, G2 stands for going to airport. There's no excuse. So. <laughs> and I mean, Liquid played better than they did online too. So it's not like, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, for region to take did an L. They beat Zeta. Forgot about that one. That's a loss to a Euro. Yeah. For a, for a team, for a region, sorry, to take an L, it, it's the best case scenario for Valorant that it's the region that won the last two events. Like, for sure. If one of the other regions just got obliterated, I mean... Uh, let's say APAC or something. North you know, America. They have another, yeah, sure. They have another <laughs> Bren so Esports situation where they can't turn up to an event and suddenly, you know, those players have just put in the entire year and they're not able to uh, uh, get those points at all. Yeah. I think that would be way more of a blow. I mean, we know that EMEA is still going to be competitive. Yeah. yeah. So With, it's not worrying. It ju sure. It's just a missed opportunity. It's, it's annoying from that perspective and it's gutting for FPX but it's not damaging overall. Sure. Okay. The wider discussion that we're kind of getting at here, though, is is Masters Reykjavik sort of the turning point for Valorant where, at this point, the, the circuit is essentially open, you know? Like, with all the talk of, uh, you know, like, slot distribution and how that's being allocated, and but it, now is it just... We're at, we're at this point in Valorant where, where we have achieved some level of a, of a global game where all the regions are competitive to, to some reasonable extent. I, I mean, it's, it's amazing what's happening right now, but I don't think that it's necessarily going to stay consistent. I think what, what we have right now is a perfect circumstance um, for a lot, of or a lot of different regions to get involved and perform well. Uh, and they prove that they can. The thing is that this format is the best that it's ever been for that to happen. And I don't know if we're actually going to stick with something like this. Uh, yeah, I think it's important important that you added best for this to to occur because I'm not sure this format yes. is actually the best. But it's the best to create these kind of circumstances. You have forced diversity into that quarter final because yep. you're just getting automatic seeds in there. Yep. Forced NA to get a free seed. <laughs> free seed for NA in the quarterfinals. <laughs> yeah. To me, to me, what it what <clears throat> it frustrates me when I see these kind of events. Well, first of all, I mean, what's the cool part about it? I watched a bunch of other events last year where it felt like teams were taking up slots where I would have rather seen other more competitive teams. So I don't have that same feeling watching this tournament, which is amazing. So yeah. much better. I mean, I can't tell you how much more fun it is to watch this version of Zeta than the version of Zeta we got last year, for example. Or, or you know, the, the many different examples you could bring up. 
But also what's frustrating about it is it reminds me that Valorant is just locked into a system where you only have one meaningful tournament every three months. And you could see a team go on a tournament run and that just defines the rankings for the rest of the like quarter of the year. Mm -hmm. It would be so much fun to have more regular international tournaments with, you know, some of the teams or invitationals or something like that where you got to see you know, a month from now, you could have FPX and then the guard come back and it's like, oh shit, is the guard actually going to be like better in the second run? And can Zeta Division keep this up across multiple tournaments or were they just a one-time thing? What about crew? I mean, they played so well last year. Are they going to keep it up? Like all of these storylines just get dragged out over the course of months and months and months and months and months, like three month gap between to, everything. To the point where they're not even viable by the time we come back around to them. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that's what happened with the crew essentially. And just because yeah. so much change has happened since then that it's almost impossible for them to have another tournament like they had. Yeah. And I'm, I'm terrified that the same thing will happen to Zeta or we won't see them until next masters or watch some crazy shit happen and we get crazy raccoon again we don't even get zeta it's just <clears throat> ridiculous the uh, amount of stuff that could happen between the two places but i mean the other good thing is that we're just we are proving that uh, it's not just like it's it's not just the global game thing but that viewership will stick no matter what teams or regions or obviously japan has a big influence on this event itself but that in that in and of itself is fantastic. The Korean also dragging good viewership because everybody's interested in DRX. Loud also driving good viewership. Like we're slowly increasing that average. Um, and it's not just about numbers, but about interesting stories and compelling enough for people to watch that uh, I, I was scared we weren't ever going to get there because of how influencer focused and Sentinels focused and G2 focused we were last year. Yeah, that is. That is a, a very good point. Yeah, I, I suppose as to what to, to what Josh was saying, yeah, just hope that some of the storylines get a good, rather they just get finished at all, because it would it would really suck if we get to a point where because there aren't a lot of these international tournaments, a team like the Guard, who you see them at like there's an obvious storyline here for the Guard, right? Where it's like they go to their first event, they got the nerves, it doesn't work out for them, and then they go to the next one, and maybe they turn up and they play extremely well, make a deep run. That's just a, you know, that's a, as, as good as a storyline as it gets. That's a classic esports kind of narrative, right? But it might not even get to that point because of the way it's set up. Like if in NA, let's say the next tournament, the top two spots are Optic and Cloud9 and Guard get third. That's not an unreasonable yeah. future to have whatsoever. Cloud9 were, mm -hmm. you know, they almost made it this time. So, you know, it's, it's sad that you might... Or it's unfortunate that some stories, it feels like they might just not get a conclusion. It yeah. just gets cut off early, you know? To, um, but all, No, go on, Bob. Uh, to, to also put into, to, to like kind of answer the question, uh, if it's a turning point, I think it actually could be in the sense that uh, Riot has been pushing hard to integrate a lot of the other regions with the way that they're adding slots, allocating to Japan, whatever, LATAM, all sorts of places, so that they can grow that player base or grow that... Uh, viewer base, whatever it might be, that population uh, over in those regions. And I think that this proves that that is worthwhile to go for yeah. this event. <clears throat> I'd also, you, the question is, is Masters Reykjavik the turning point for Valorant and the turning point indicating that it's more of a global 
esport, not just in terms of viewership, but in terms of like people that can run deep in tournaments and make top fours and maybe even win the event, right? I think, I think it is going to be a turning point, but I'm not exactly sure that that's as good a thing as people seem to believe. The reason being that it doesn't seem to me like it the success of the other regions and i'm still going to use the word minor regions to indicate like the the regions sure. that have either lower player base or historically aren't into games like the like cs and stuff but those regions haven't really like trickled down and become tons more competitive as a result of going deep at these tournaments at least not not yet that doesn't not yet happen within six but, or months or a year but it's always the same teams that seem to be returning and the same players getting better and the same experience like building upon itself for example the drx guys those have been at the top of the game in korea apart from that you know small period of time where newton made it to Reykjavik, but they are very likely to you know build on the experience that they've learned here and come back again as the best team whereas the other teams in korea don't have that opportunity you've got Zeta Division are very likely to be able to do that with their roster right now. I think Crew have shown that with coming back again and again from Latam. The the Vikings core of Sassy Sadak are back again with this one. Like I, I feel like we don't actually have a system where the whole region is being built up. It's more that that one team at the top of the pile is getting the advantage of always being able to go. And so they're going to make deeper runs, but the region itself is probably not going to make deeper runs. I, I, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the same teams keep coming back to Masters, or the same players at least keep coming back to Masters. Yeah. I mean, the EU has sent the same teams the significant amount of times as well, like, right? So I don't necessarily think that that's... Well, they wouldn't have done this time around. I mean, if it had run normally, you would have been sending FPX and not Liquid, and that would have been a very different crop of teams. Yeah, that's no, true. No, no Mech, no Ascend, yeah, yeah. no Liquid. Like, that's, a, that's pretty different. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very valid point but i think pushing for this type of environment at the international tournaments is great and that will eventually as long as they focus on the the regions themselves and make those feel like actual nat nationalistic like let's let's have a scene where people don't care about international results necessarily but care a lot about the regional results um could be really really interesting yeah, I'd love to see just like the finals of each of the regions be a LAN event. I think mm. that would be massively beneficial. Or to playoffs even, just like anything. Yeah, yeah, or just the, just the playoffs. Th this event has made me realize how much, again, I mean, I've had these realizations multiple times in all sorts of different games, but LAN matters so much in decreasing the randomness uh, of results. And that that needs to eventually change in Valorant. I know yeah. it's a weird world situation right now, but... For sure. Like, one, day. one day. I think we're at the tail end of it, though. I mean, considering that, like, I mean, at this point, there, <clears throat> realistically, there was already, I get where Riot Global was, what they're doing for the reasons they're doing with their land events in this past year or so. Sure. But I don't think, barring unforeseen circumstances, I don't think that there's any reason for them to continue that sort of aversion to land events heading forward, you know? Um, Realistically, now you mean this could, due to COVID regulations and stuff. Exactly, but I'm specifically like, but there's really not like there's a whole region where they essentially don't exist anymore, and it's one of their major regions. So, like in my like, I mean, we literally this is uh, this is kind of point to point, but like there's not even like mass mandates anymore in the U.S. Like federally for airlines, it's gone. 
It's been it's it's it doesn't even exist anymore. So like realistically, there's a whole major region now to where you that where a lot of your player base and teams come from that you can hold events in with no problems. Like pretty much in terms of COVID, specifically yeah. COVID. Um, so I do think this is going to be the year that there should be a hopefully a turning point, barring any more surges. Like if there's a huge COVID surge, then yeah, I mean that's that's life, right? right? You can't deal like that's just how that's just how what happens, but. I think this should be a good year, hopefully, for lands and research. And also, isn't that the point of the VRL, the, the VRLs, and like some of the, the regional uh, yeah, the regional leagues, and also like they specifically stated that the, for their roadmap for this year that there's supposed to be like a two to three month period after At VCT with more like land events and like tournaments. So hopefully, yeah. those things are on the way. Um, that's also off season. That's like prime rebuilding sure. time yeah. for teams that's to be probably mostly around. going to be influencer focused because that's the the thing to do. I right love influencers. Now. Let's go to tribals. Yeah, yeah. I heckin' love influencers. Okay, okay, okay. I want to get to the predictions here. We got two matches that we can do our predictions for. We got the upper bracket final, and we have the lower bracket round three. I think so. Yep. All right. We submitted our predictions to Kurt. Let's wait. What? Oh, oh, I okay. Last week's stats. Let's check out <laughs> the last week's stats. I didn't, did not see that. Two and two, two and two. I mean, two and two, not bad. Did I really submit? Did I really submit one stats? And three. I can't yeah, what what I, I, I think this was just the opening group stages, right? Yeah, it was just the regular. opening group stages. Damn, bro. Ball and I are down. God, if only crazy. Zeta won against DRX the first time. I can tell you guys for a time. I can tell you guys for a fucking fact. If we were doing preds for every game in this tournament, this number would be down atrocious, <laughs> like down so bad. I've gotten <laughs> oh, away I with it. I've predicted crew. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I think also uh, I had. I think the guard owned me. Editor's right? note, real quick. Uh, Ball does no, not have sixty-three predictions. I put thirty instead of twenty. Oh, his, yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but so, okay. Yeah. So the percentage Thank is still you. right, but the, I appreciate gotcha. that, Kurt. All right, making me look not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, mine is fucking tragic, but you know, sometimes you you put your all your eggs in the Zeta basket at the wrong time. Listen, what can what can you do? Um, all right, now is it this week prediction time? Yeah. Optic loud. What do we got? Pull up the freaking graphic. I mean, you already know what I'm doing, but let's see what you guys are doing. Oh, let's fucking go. Okay, we, I mean, I know Ball is on the loud train. I know Josh is trying to hop on, but I kind of want to push him off because I don't want him to curse loud. And I feel like it's possible. <laughs> so, so, you I'm know, ready don't to be... hop off. You ready but, to hop uh, off I'm, the loud train? I'm Gr thinking about great. changing this because, okay, what? I mean, I do think loud are a great team. And I came, I did this prediction just after watching the G2 game. And I was like, holy fuck, this team is touched by God. They're incredible. <laughs> And now, now I've had a chance to sit and think about it and think about how the map pool will go down as well. I'm actually struggling to find where Loud push Optic in this map pool to find the win. Because I think, okay, Optic are going to ban Breeze, Loud are probably going to ban Split. I think those make a ton of sense. I think Optic can pick Haven into Loud and be relatively confident there based on what Loud have shown so far and Optic have looked fairly good at it. I mean, I know they lost to the guard, but their, their Haven overall is pretty decent. Does Loud win on Ascent? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I assume they do. I think they do. I don't think that's where they but, go, though. Well, right. I mean, where do they go? Ascent feels like a... 
I said it might be you like think a they go to icebox. Mapper, but... Yeah, yeah. icebox or fracture. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe they've got some shit cooked up for fracture. Dude, maps. I did. Um, I, 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 the, the, the maps aren't <laughs> what's snoozing. important here. The maps are not what is important here. What's important here is that are there any bold players on Optic? Good question. Uh, it could be. Connor, defend I your mean, pick. Defend I mean, your pick. Is, After I mean, getting hit in the face with that information, defend your pick. Here's my pick. First of all, the, I think you have to remember that I think FNS is hiding a bald head underneath all that hair. That's the first thing you remember. <laughs> Everyone is. <laughs> think about that one, huh? Mm. Think about that one. Secondly, You're all the bald. NA is going to the grand finals of this event. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> that's that's, that's, okay. secondly, that's the second point third point optic legitimately look incredible uh i do think like overall when you watch their play they look really really good like i said i think marv is currently the best smoke player at this event um i also think this is a much better event overall for yay i think yay is like uh, yay and victor both are like having a bit of, though granted victor did disappear a little bit at points where fns had to step up but i'm feeling pretty confident about this team overall i think marv and yay are in great form currently Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I feel relatively confident about their map pool. I think their calls are really good. I think the one thing that they can definitely deal with that other teams so far that played loud that can't is in particular some of these map control plays that Aspas has been they've been set up with Aspas with like Southhawk and even like um you know getting some support from the other team, but mostly those micro plays they do. Having a very strong play having a player that's like they're playing away from their main area that they're looking to take a map like specifically like marv or even fns to make sure that they can't get all this free map control and this free map information will definitely change the tempo of this team significantly um and i think optic are in a good position to deal with all those map control plays the micro plays that loud have been doing uh and i feel and i feel pretty confident they can go toe-to-toe duel dueling wise except for i obviously fns is like you know he's always still relatively low stats wise but i feel like Haters he's still smart He'll still make he'll still take smart duels. He'll still take smart good duels versus them to where they won't get free value a lot of the time. So, dude, me and me and Bala, about. me and Bala are straight tripping because you just muted for like all of that and I didn't yeah. hear a thing. I could oh. just see Wyatt nodding along. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I was because also I can't hear you guys anymore now. <laughs> Wait, what? You can just hear it through the speakers of Wyatt. No, I can hear Bala, but I can't hear Josh. What the yeah? Something's... Our program is tripping out. Something just refresh crazy. your page. Disappear we'll real refresh. quick. Hit that refresh, okay. lads. Hit the refresh. Ah, uh, now I can finally tell you the truth about Loud. Now they will just get this victory with such ease. I saw people doing this matchup thing where it was like comparing the players on Loud to Optic and like honestly, just every Loud player is better than their Optic counterpart. Are you guys back? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that a real point? Yeah. You, is that like you actually? Oh, you've got your wrong mic on, Connor. Fuck. Wait, do I really? <laughs> Wait, why is it not? Oh, God. Oh, I mean, dude. you really are, you... are just a UN meeting boomer where you just Secretary like wrong General. mic on, audio's terrible. Web can't figure out how to get on off the webcam mic. Good. Do you Lord. do you agree with that take? Wyatt, that everybody like pound for pound, every single player on uh Loud is better than their counterpart on Optic. Let's go through it. Um, Aspas, yay. Well, do you compare Aspas to Yay? I have to, right? 
Yeah, I guess you have to. I think they're even. Uh, I mean, they both crushing. been playing great at this event. Both are amazing. I mean, I think Saucy. Saucy's been playing better at this event. Yeah, Sadak Victor, Sadak. Less, they play very less. different though, less. right? Like Sadak and Victor, super different. Finesse. Oh, sorry. Uh, less, Pankata um, and Marved. I, mean, I think Marv's even, been better than Pankata at this event. Yes, this even event. On those. But like overall, I I I think Listen, like this year. Pankata's I'm not trying to get nuts. too excited about loud. I'm not trying to get too excited, yeah. okay? Look, but when thing. you guys Here, left, I hedge. did start spreading propaganda when it was just me on the table alone. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could hedge as well and say that two of their players have COVID. So, I mean, it's just like, if they don't win, like, it's... I, I'm serious in terms of the, like, I really think that as soon as these guys get back to the stage, there's going to be an adjustment period. Oh, yeah. And the sooner that they can do that, the better. If they're but back... By that time, it will already be best of five, so it's it's all good. That... There's a lot of time. Yeah, but also you're one Connor match away from being eliminated. He came back, he had his webcam mic on, and I think he just turned his computer off well. to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> restarted his PC. Did he even say anything? Like, I had to use the restroom, so I was gone for he like was just, 30 seconds. We were seconds. just like, hey, Connor, your mic is fucked up. And he was like, oh, oh really? And then he just disappeared, <laughs> and then he's just gone. Well, this might be a metaphor for the match um, coming yeah. up this yeah. weekend. Oh, he's back. Ooh. He has two, two <laughs> What? <laughs> Dude, what happened with the second gooseneck microphone? <laughs> Another gooseneck microphone. <laughs> I can do for this. So now you really do look like you're at a press conference. <laughs> so do not worry about this. North America will be winning this. Who's that journalist? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> um, it'll all be okay. And Marv will also not only will Marv be the best smoker at this event, but who will also be the best at beating up reporters. So it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be everything's gonna be good here. Okay. So like now all I right. can answer questions and I have multiple mics. All right. The next game, Paper X Zeta Reveal. Oh, oh. split 50-50. Connor and I on the Paper X train, and Josh and Bala going for Zeta Division. I think this is a really, really interesting little stylistic clash. You know what I mean? You got the Paper X, the speed and the aggression, and then you have sort of the, the slower approach to the early rounds from Zeta Division. You can imagine a lot of uh, importance on the early round in these games and the way that dynamic is kind of going to, to end up playing out. Um, and, you know, in that within that approach that's a bit slower from Zeta, they definitely have the firepower to be able to... to um, get the kills on the on the aggressive paper X players when they go for those early round plays. Um, I think both teams both teams are hitting in the fire uh, firepower department right now. And then aside from that, you just have a cool stylistic clash. Um, I'm I'm going with paper X because at least up until this point I haven't well, DRX aside, but I think paper X have been playing better since then. The the teams they played against post that guard G2 were just unable to it's not just that they were unable to find an answer for how Paper X were playing, but it was in the way that they tried to counter them. Paper X still were just able to come out on top so easily, and they look to be in such good form that I feel like they can they can uh, get this win over Zeta Division. I think it's going to be a lot harder for Paper X to find those timings against Zeta just because of how they play. They're very 
um, concealed with like when they're taking certain areas of the map, they don't make it obvious for you to like trigger counterplays against them. So I think it's going to be on Paper X to try and play super aggressively. And Zeta Division have been thus far fairly decent at shutting that down. But my big questions for this match are how the teams deal with the break. Because it's quite an unusual thing in a tournament to then just have, was it, a four-day break or something? Valorant, sure. Yeah. And, and so I think Zeta looked amazing when they had a day off to prep against DRX. They had that one day where they could specifically prep against DRX, and they came out and they looked crazy good. And so I really am interested to look at whether that continues, whether they really seem to benefit from the counter-stratting their opponents and they come out just looking insane, or whether they're on a bit of a heater right now and you end up cooling off, because that's also a way that, I, honestly, both of these teams could end up going, because they've both been on a nasty heater just in kind of different directions stylistically. Uh, but I think it's possible that one of them could just cool off and not look anywhere near as good as they did in the last couple of games. I think it's a little bit harder as well for Laz to get a, as much value from the Lurk if you just have five people on a site together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, You're just all together in one site, then how does he Lurk? That's going to be does a, he get value? an interesting dynamic. On the other too. site. Yeah, he's on the other site. Sorry to, uh, to jump in, Connor, but yeah, that was, sorry, that was something I wanted to, to say as well, just with like how good Laz has been on, on finding Lurk timings on the extremities, but the Paper X extremity control game plan is just, we send it at your face. So I think that's just going to be the crux of a lot of round win or loss, like the Laz extremity dynamic. I think Laz should be able to handle that, though. I think Paper X are actually one of the teams that you'd be able to do that easily against, or at least more so. easily. Because, sorry, I'm just fucking eating an onion ring for some reason in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, of God. Paper, Paper X were very determined to fight you wherever you were trying to take map control. And I think if Zeta Division is starting out slowly and there ends up being a fight on, you know, one of the extremities, <laughs> they're going to end up wrapping people away and leaving a hole that Laz can get through. So I don't think Laz is going to be looking for early round timings. I think he's going to be looking for mid-round reactive timings based off, you know, fucking Forsaken and Jing sending it on the other side of the map. Well, that also comes at both sides of the map at the same time, too. So that's like yeah, a concern. I think it is a little bit of a concern. But I, I just think when you think about how you should play against Paper Rex, and I know we've already seen two teams attempt to try to play defaulty styles against them, um, you you have to have a reaction to the types of different ways they could approach their aggressiveness, right? It could be either a fast set play, it could be either just dry contacting, or it could be a trap type of play uh, after you have some sort of control already. And Zeta has... Well, uh, two modes, I, I would say. They have uh, defaults, very, very well-coordinated defaults where they're playing off of each other, which is not something that G2 and uh, the guard did very well at all. They kind of just like took some very far back positions and then held both of those, and both of the sides are discoordinated, at least on split, I would say that's a, that's a factor. Whereas Zeta is, they're sitting in crossfires on their default. They're sitting in a place where they can fall back into a crossfire. Those are the things that I think Zeta brings to the table on their default. But as well, the way that they move back around a map, they're still ready to fully execute a hit with every all the bells and whistles, very DRX style from very far back. And I think no team has been able to actually do that against Paper X um, because they either get interrupted before or 
they think that they have to execute or at least find some space before they execute. Whereas Zeta Division, they'll just fucking send it from, you know, A main or B main or something like that. I think that'll work really, really, really well against Paper X. So I just think that this matchup is great strategically for Zeta Division. Okay. Any final thoughts, Connor? <laughs> I, watched, I, I watched. I no. I have no more thoughts left. Honestly, despite my Your. propensity of mics, I have. I have no more thoughts left to give. I just want. I for some reason, John Cena memes were popping up in my timeline, and I watched those for a second. And now my my neurons have been cleaned out with bleach. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that settles it for Masters talk. I'm going to give my weekly award right now, and then we're going to get the hell out of here. Kurt, play the intro. <laughs> That's why it's a weekly award. All right, Wait, this, this is week. A really long pause on that one. <laughs> this week. The award. Oh, who's it going to? Oh, it's Masters. Does it go to Labs, maybe? He's been playing really well. Does it go to, hmm, I don't know, uh, Mixwell? Probably not, I guess. <laughs> Probably not, but he had a good showing. He had a good showing. Not trying to uh -huh. just shit on Mixwell for no reason. He played pretty well, honestly. I was impressed, liked his chamber, but it's not going to him. It's going to Ben Kai for two reasons. One, Funny interview with Josh that I enjoyed. Had a good laugh at. He was funny man. Two, actually three reasons. Two, he's got the funny walkouts. He's committed to the gag of being funny walkout man. I like that. And three, just for instilling an overall sense of joyous whimsy to the tournament that it desperately needs. If not for him, where's the joy? Where is the whimsy? I don't know. He brings it all. And then he, it, 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 it infects his team in a positive way where they are just... A, a, an engine fueled by joy that will win Valorant tournaments. And I've been enjoying watching Paper X very much. So for that, Ben Kai gets the weekly award on this episode, episode 420 of Flat Chad Valorant. He also gave me a toothbrush. So you gave nice. me a toothbrush? Wow, wow that's, that's very kind. What a kind man. It sounds really mean, but no, it was very nice of him. He gave everybody in production a toothbrush. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Why, was that, why was that a clip of the walkout from Tens Coastream? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, we're not The YouTube the algorithm favors the content creators. Yeah. Uh -huh. They favor yeah. the heckin' uh, love. Hold us down, it's we fine. We heckin' love Ten and Terrence. <laughs> where, where did he get all the costumes from? Oh, it's a he's costume store down the street. He said, though, that this one was for his girlfriend or something. Like, he had bought it for his girlfriend at some point, and then he thought they were only going to win one match. <laughs> or he thought, oh, what the fuck did he say? It was something like that. We, I asked him, like, have you, you, got, you asked no, him, sorry, the other one. I said, have you got yeah. another one prepped? And he was like, no, I thought we were going to lose today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you see the cameraman yeah, one much. and the footage they actually got from the camera? <laughs> like he's filming Avova when they're walking out. That was a real camera, and they have like the I don't know, just behind. The I didn't see the footage. No, yeah, it's in like the the highlights thing at the end mm. of the day. So funny. Gotcha. Avova's just like super like. <laughs> All right, what oh, a hero. We're gonna put a stamp on it. Stamp on it. Here's the stamp. We're putting it on it. The episode is done. No more masters talk until next week. 
where there's more masters talk. <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs> so we'll see you also then. Also the co-stream. Ah, uh, co-stream too. Don't forget but that. But first on the co-stream this weekend, and then we'll see you for another episode of Plat Chat Valorant, the hit North American <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs>